Yo, people always ask me what kind of frames I'm rocking. I've been rocking Caddis for a couple years. They make amazing progressive readers, which I wear. Also, they make sunglass readers, anti-glare, anti-smudge coating, anti-scratch, and anti-aging. That's why I look mad young when I wear them. I'm just kidding. Um, but they make amazing frames. Caddis, so stoked to have you guys part of the podcast. You can go to caddislife.com slash Toby10 and get $10 off your first purchase. Stoked. Thank you, Caddis. Welcome to the fam. Yo, yo, Liquid Death. Thank you so much for hydrating all my guests taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water. Love your brand. Love what you stand for. Love you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. They have now blessed me with my own code. So if you go liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst, stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives. Welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. Today, my man Derek is not with me. He'll be back soon. We love you, Derek. And to my right, I got my Wait, man. Wait, is, is this the Derek that? Yeah, my Derek Green. Yeah, I'm say <laughs> Oh, him. Yeah. yeah, Derek. Um, I got my man Chappelle Lacey here today. Chappelle Lacey, say what up? What up? The professional podcaster. Um, and then in front of me, my friend for a very long time, we'll get into how we met and all that stuff. And we've been talking about coming to the pod for a long time and he's here. Appreciate you being here. Eric Sandin, thank you so much for being here. Ah, dude, my pleasure. It's been a long time coming and and some fucking hurdles in the way, but I'm glad to be here. And you know what? I I know people call you smelly, but you've never smelled weird to me. (laughs) And and I've never called you smelly. Oh, we've we've never shared a bunk together then. Okay. So that's where that name comes from. (laughs) No, the the name comes from one night when I took a bunch of fucking acid, drank a bunch of beer. And and here's the kicker. I I had a, a, what's it called? A venereal disease. Oh, and, oh and, wow. And, and, He's coming real right yeah, to the beginning. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. He comes yeah. swinging. Dude, <laughs> I had a venereal disease, and I was two weeks out from seeing my girlfriend, and the venereal disease did not come from my girlfriend. <gasps> and I knew that if you take tetracycline from previous venereal diseases, <laughs> you will get rid of it. So I went to the fish store, bought a bunch of tetracycline, ate the tetracycline, and it gave me the worst farts. So acid. I even know acid, tetracycline, beer, and a venereal disease leads to a fucking stinky ass. Holy and, and fuck, out of all, all those combinations, they narrowed it down to smelly. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I have no idea what that even meant. Just that's fucking insane. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Did I come in a little hard right now? So, no, that, no, there was no foreplay. So it, was just, it was fucking straight to the. Well, so that means you can get rid of VD then. It's not forever like herpes. Just kick correct, it Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just, just uh, for inquiring minds. How old were you when this happened? Twenties, uh, yeah, early twenties. Because you've been in no effects a, a long time, a lot, big part of your life. Fuck, since I was sixteen, and I'm fifty-five. Wow, Holy shit. Dude. Yeah, I met Mike when I was fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, in your neighborhood or something? Or like- no, I grew up in Glendale. Okay. Mike grew up in Beverly Hills in the apartments in Beverly Hills, and there was this club called the Cafe de Grand. Yeah, you've heard of it probably yes. a million times. Yeah, and it, it would have shows six nights a week and. I would take the bus in from Glendale. He would take the bus in from Beverly Hills. And one night outside of the... We would just go hang, you know? Yeah. Probably like the New York scene or whatever. You just go hang out. Totally. You don't give a fuck about who's playing unless it's a, a band you want to see. Yeah. And there was this fucking weird scrawny kid with a skateboard that had black flag on it. Like a black flag skate. And I was like, hey, who's my skateboard? You know, nerding out <laughs> on it. And uh, it was Mike. And we yeah. just started talking. Yeah. And that was it. That's how we met. That's a, So Beverly Hills, he came from Beverly Hills, Century City. That's right. Wow. Yeah. 
That's right. I did talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. That's cool. People come from different boroughs. It's just like New York, Queens, Brooklyn, Yeah, no, it's just, just the suburbs of the, you know, there's a center place. Oh, the cookies. Come on, man. We're trying to get out of here. We're trying to podcast. Um, all right. So you grew up in Glendale? Mm-hmm. Went to school there and everything? Mm-hmm. And how was it growing up in Glendale? Because I don't spend too much time there. Well, I just feel like it's just a lot hotter over there. That's all I know. This is, I grew up in an area called actually Tahunga. No more cookies for yeah, the yeah. guests, man. You Go know Tahunga? Mm-hmm. I heard of the, yeah, yeah. Tahunga Locker Center, right on the border right there. It's a suburb of Glendale. Uh, Glen, you know, Glendale, it's owned by Glendale, but it has a different name. Where, when, when I grew up, it was really kind of white trashy and bikery and just really working class. Yeah. And, uh. It's on the north side of Glendale, and it's kind of isolated from everything. So it had this this weird isolated feel from, like, you could see downtown LA pretty much from my parents' house, but it was yeah. so, like, you know, it just had an isolated feel. Yeah. You know? But it was really white trashy and uh, bikery. Way different than it is now. Fuck yeah. And you have siblings too? Mm-hmm. I got, I got a, a sister who is four years younger than me, and I got a cousin who we raised since he was a little guy. Oh, wow. Because he wasn't. He, I didn't grow up in a good situation, but he was in a worse situation. So that's the third. Okay. Yeah. So your your parents were together or divorced? No, together. They're still together to this okay. day. Yeah. But it was rough growing up for you? Yeah, it was pretty rough. You know, active alcoholism and um, not a lot of support, mm. not a lot of love. My dad. Tough love? No, not even. Okay. Not even love, just tough. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my mom is always uh, like a loving, giving mom, but on the codependent side. My dad was, well, he was just cold. Yeah, hard ass. Like I, to this day, he's never said "I love you." Damn! Wow! Yeah. Man. To this, Max, you hear that? You, go, <laughs> you better fucking appreciate. We kind of like you got me. Yeah, I, I, I know. I know that. Max, come here, man. The, uh, same way. Yeah. Uh, love like the word "I love you" was never, never said. said. And, and never I, said. No matter what I did, no matter what I did, I got in trouble. You know, no matter what I did, I, I you know, I was just a fucking shitty, shitty, uh, shitty upbringing. You know, and I don't mean to be just me and my dad are real tight now. We're yeah. real tight, but it's not like it's not father son. It's more like respective adults. Yeah, you know. But growing up, he was not equipped, and uh, and I took the the brunt of a lot of his alcoholism. Yeah. Wow, Max. He just said at fifty five years old. Fifty five. His dad never told me he's loved him his whole life. Still to this day. And we we tell each other we love each other every day. Me and your mom. Good night. Love you every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. This this family to, to this, this day, day he's never said he loved him his whole, dad his whole life. I have a question. Go ahead. What do you think would happen if you told him you loved him? I now. did. I did. I did. We wrote a book. Okay, to be fair, up until I did, I never said I love you either. You know, I mean, it's, it wasn't know, like a spoken thing. No, it was, you know, I never felt like he loved me. I, there was never any love coming my way. Yeah. There never was. But um, uh, we got closer throughout. throughout. We got close when I turned about 40. Okay. You know, for some reason, like all the shit just fucking dissolved. And uh, my daughter was going through a hard time, and my dad, my dad, and my daughter are really close. Okay, how old is your daughter? Twenty four. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. I adopted her. Okay. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Damn. I, I adopted her. I'm already learning so much in the first six minutes. I love right. Okay, yeah. I adopted her. She was a family member. Oh, she was my ex wife's cousin. Okay. And they're white trash, living under the bridge, homeless, prostituting. Like my my daughter was. In the worst of the worst situations you can imagine for a kid. Wow, man. CPS took her away and gave her to me. Okay. And then I adopted her. Yeah. Wow. And then man. me and my me and my ex divorced, and she fucked off, and so I'm still dad. And she's gone. Okay. So, anyways, so my dad grew up like that too. My dad okay. grew up. My dad's dad was murdered. My dad was in and out of. Yeah. <laughs> my dad's dad was murdered when my dad was ten. 
my dad's mom was in and out of psych units because of alcoholism. Okay. Mm-hmm. And my dad was passed around from family to family. So him and my daughter became really close because they have sim- similar backgrounds. Okay. That melted a lot of the ice between him and I. It gave awesome. us a mutual love. Yeah, children would do that for sure. Right. So then my daughter was going through a hard time. My dad was broken up about it. And I go, hey, dad, I wanted to tell you something. I love you. First time ever. And this was when I was probably 50. And Damn, go, and, I'm getting and, emo now. Okay. Do you know what he said? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hung up. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but, but Obviously, like, you know he but, loved you. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You just can't express it. Damn. You just can't express it. Like, like I don't know. You know, this. it was like this for me. You know, even though, like, we never said I love you or anything like that. But I don't think that ever made me feel... Weird. Did it make? Did that make you feel weird? That love was never. Yes, I okay. longed. Okay, so you. I yeah. longed for love. I longed for acceptance. I longed okay. for appreciation. I loved. I longed for. You know, support, and I didn't like all There's my father fr- son bond. Man. All my friends, you know, we grew up poor, but not like projects poor, more like working class poor. You yeah. know, my dad, my parents could have afforded a new bike once every three years. Or a skateboard or whatever. I never got a new bike. Never ever. I never got a skateboard. And I know that's. I know. I know that's just physical things. But it's the message behind it. Yeah. You know, it's the support behind it. Mm-hmm. So I would get my toys from hand-me-downs from friends, or mm-hmm. put a bike together that I found from the trash. Oh, so it's it's not so much. So yes, I longed for that support. I longed for that love. I longed for that. You know, like. I don't know. I was always in trouble. I was, I was always, <laughs> but it, but it wasn't because I was being a dick. You were lashing out to get their attention. Maybe? No, I wasn't. No, when you're in an alcoholic family, yeah, I, I might have been lashing out, but there was times when I definitely wasn't lashing out, and I just received it. Okay, you know, yeah. So yes, I always longed for something more, a connection, and there was never there. It, it just it, it, the, the whole hand me down thing is like I, I I feel so much connection <laughs> with you right now because like when you said the hand-me-downs from the friends that was like the same for me and that hurts you know, i mean it's yeah. cool that they're, they're yeah. stoking you but but at the same time you're in this neighborhood you're the poor kid you're the kid that has the the one pair of shoes for the year mm-hmm. and the three pairs of pants and the two shirts and everybody else has the brand new op shorts OP, or, right that was or, my shit. whatever whatever <laughs> it is you you always feel insecure you always feel less than and yeah and i was small i was skinny and and my dad was is big. Okay. T- he's six four, two twenty. Damn. And I was, you know, small and skinny. So uh, I would put on because of these insecurities. I would put on this fucking presence of like, don't fuck with me. Yeah. But mm-hmm. in turn, it would, people would fuck with me. Yeah. And then shit would happen and blah 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 blah. But my whole fucking up until I was. 27 my whole life was ran on insecurities and wanting acceptance and wanting to be something that i wasn't wow max meanwhile you got seven surfboards hey, bro, we're gonna donate all we're gonna donate six of them dude you, yeah you're the i kid. bought them too but i love you yeah you know what, max, <laughs> I'm just kidding, max. max you're the kid no matter what you're just gonna get jabs poked at you no matter what i do the same to my kids max i'm gonna say that's it's yeah wow fuck man so how were you going to school? Did you have a lot of friends in school? Were you kept to yourself? No, I had a couple friends. I mean, like elementary school, whatever, you know, everybody's kind of friends. Middle school, like I started going to middle school in 78, maybe, 79. Um, that's when there was the stoners and the drugs. And okay. you start seeing kids taking the wrong path as opposed to the right path. Okay. 
I gravitated towards the wrong path. Gotcha. Quickly because because they were tough and they had this image that I felt opposite of on the inside. Mm. So I went that way. You know, like what thirteen? I started actually. I started drinking like at ten. Holy well, just shit. because, because not drinking like regularly, yeah. but I would sneak a beer. I would sneak a beer and then, you know, go out in the backyard and drink it. Okay. I started smoking weed at about 12. It's what I grew up in. It's what I saw, yeah. you know, and, and, and my aunt and uncle were next, my, were my next door neighbors, the biker family, they dealt drugs. Okay. So, I mean, literally like we shared Damn. yards. So I would go over there, there'd be pot, there'd be coke, there'd be quaaludes. So it's just what I knew. Quaaludes, that's old school. Yeah. Did you know you could smoke quaaludes? First time I ever took one, I smoked <laughs> no, it. Fucking warped your head. Yeah, of course you wouldn't know. I know. <laughs> I just remember descendants saying, take a quaalude, relax your mind, relax your body, too. Uh, I don't know what a quaalude was. Yeah, it's kind of like a jerks too. Yeah, okay. But uh, so, so that's where I grew up. And, and I gravitated towards those people because they got attention. Yeah. They looked tough. They, felt, they, they had this presence about them. But it was all my insecurities. Yeah. You know, because it was opposite of what, how I really felt. Alone, scared, small, a child. Yeah, and if you, if you started partying with them, you'd be accepted by them. Exactly, and, and when, you, when you go down to the lowest common denominator, it's really easy to be accepted by all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, no matter what you do, people go, fuck yeah, dude, that was badass. Yeah. <laughs> Watch this, I'm going to piss in this girl's fucking punch bowl. You know, fuck yeah, yeah dude. You know, there's, there's no accountability because they all feel the same way I feel. Yep. Yeah. So we're all just kind of co-signing each other's bullshit. I mean, it's, I don't mean bullshit as in, like, wrong. I mean, I'm just, we're there for each other, but it was negative but we were all came, we were all it was a dark came, path right and we all came from the same sort of zone that's why people join gangs that's why people do yeah. this they do that it's because they just want to feel accepted yeah mm-hmm. the rich kids wouldn't accept me so the poor kids did mm-hmm. you know i wasn't a rich kid i was you know what i mean it's yeah. a, so that's why people do shit is because yeah. they just want to be accepted yeah so when you start a party and you start getting wilding out getting in trouble and yeah like, yeah, uh, I mean, grades were always an issue, even through elementary school. You okay. know, I got dyslexia pretty bad. Here's another thing that fucking adds to uh, to uh, insecurities. I got dyslexia really bad, so in English, they would put me in special ed with wow. with kids that actually have. Yeah. Because in the 70s, they didn't really know what it was. They totally. just thought I was handicapped. Okay. So I'd go in there for an hour a day and hang out with kids that were, like, really fucked up. Yeah. And then I then I go back out on the playground with all the other kids, and they'd be pointing pointing at me, mm. you know, like, hey, fucking dummy, you know, yeah. shit. So fuck, yeah. So so school was always hard. It yeah. didn't it didn't help. My dad's incredibly intelligent, and so he expected uh-huh. me to get straight A's. And if I, if I got a, uh, honestly, I mean, I, this a C is was the best I could do pretty much anything. That's trying. Okay. So I was all, you know, it's all you know. I just had a hard time in school. But you did try. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would fuck. Okay. I did try. I didn't try to. This is what it, I did try for a while, but I'd always fuck up. Not mm-hmm. fuck up. I, I, it, would, it would just never worked out. So then I came to a point like, well, if I'm trying and I'm still getting in shit, what's the fucking point of trying? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So then I just gave up. Yeah. Yeah. I barely graduated high school. But yeah, so I started getting a tr- not trouble like with the law and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, I, th- there was police stuff, but. Trouble just like I was that kid. I was the Dennis the Menace. Yeah, you Dennis know? the Menace, yeah. Yeah, I, there was nothing malicious about me, but I was definitely out there to get into shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and did you find music at a young age too? Was that during school too? Music, this is the one thing that I really do give my, my dad credit for. Music is, was, is still to this day a huge part of his life. Okay. So when wow. I grew up, 
in a small little tiny house. My dad's a fucking plumber, you know, just working class. He would come home just fucking dirty. He would put on some old jazz or he'd put on fucking like Deep Purple nice. or he'd put on like a psychedelic Pink Floyd record. Like there's this record called Uma Guma. I remember okay. hearing yeah. it. It's just fucking all over the place. You probably know that. Deep that was diver. like uh, with Sid Barrett. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. just, Those, fuck, wow. it's just, yeah. yeah. Or, or, or he'd, or he'd even put on just like fucking like Black Sabbath and just turn it up and he'd That's drink awesome. his fucking, his beers. And so music was always a part of my life. So fast forwarding, not even elementary school, I always felt alone and I always was, the house was a very volatile place. Okay. You know, I come home, put on his headphones, put on a record and just disappear. Like literally just like shut out all the fucking chaos and That's disappear. Awesome. So that music was a very positive influence in my life. Yeah. Therapeutic too. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was, Zone out. It, it was, it, yeah, it was, it was just, it was like meditative. Yeah. You know, and so I could just whatever record I would be listening to, I, I would go through all of his records and listen to him. So then I got into junior high and it was like that that cycle continued. And then I was like, I think I want to fucking do this. You mm. know, I think I want to do this. Do music. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a conscious thought, like this is what I want to do. Yeah. But I always had like a, um, a, a vision of me playing it. You know, L- listening is not good enough. I want to yeah. play it. Like, and it was, it was first was it choice was drums. No, first choice was guitar. Okay. And then actually, I played guitar like when I was like eleven, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, this guy came over and gave me two lessons, and he was showing me like fucking old country country bullshit songs. <laughs> like, no, dude, I wanted to fucking play the Who, or I wanted to play yeah. fucking something heavy, you yeah. know. And he, we were doing like Tom Dooley and fucking I don't know, just some weird <laughs> fucking stupid bullshit. So I gave that up rapidly, mm-hmm. and then um, I stole some. Then fast forward till I was probably about. 13 or 14 I stole some drumsticks Wow um, Came home with them And just started tapping Just started tapping and, and then I didn't get a drum set Until I was like 15 or something 14 But of course I didn't get any support I had been working I had been working Since I was About 11 Okay I got a job In a woodworking factory After school every day For three hours And then in the summers I would go work in the factories There's factories up there in Yeah the, In the vitamin factories Full time at Like 12, 13 at Wow Working in the factories so I saved up some money, so I bought a $200 drum set when I was, I think, 14 or something. Damn, you remember what brand it was or anything? Yeah, Rogers. It was a piece of shit. It, had, <laughs> <laughs> it was Rogers. It had no cymbal stands. I had to put a uh, uh, a hole in the ceiling and, 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 and an eye screw in the floor and put a rope with a knot in the middle of it and slide the cymbal through it so it hung right there. Wow, Yeah, dude. so I had one cymbal, one right cymbal, hi-hat, and kick and, you know, a couple times. But I'd hit the cymbal. Even though it's rope pulled as tight as you can, it's still fucking loose. Oh, <laughs> it was like, I didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah, it, no, DIY shit. it would come right back at you, <laughs> fucking chop you. Boomerang. Yeah. Holy shit. So you start banging on shit in your house. Yeah, well, the way I got into the drums was punk rock had crept into my life. Okay. Punk rock. And then there was some uh, older kids that were kind of punky that I had met through the punk rock. Okay. And they said, hey, man, we're starting a band. You know, I play guitar. I play bass. I sing. Only thing left was drums. Yeah. So I was like, fuck, I'll, I'll get some drums. And then that's how it started. And then within, fuck, our first practice, I was playing a song. Wow. Yeah. I, the first song I ever learned was, uh, there's an old band called Red Cross. You yeah, know Red Cross. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, there was two songs, S&M Party <laughs> and Annette's Got the Hits. You know? Okay. And those are the first two songs I learned. I was probably 14 or 15. Wow. wow. Yeah. And so you had a band that 
Yeah, we were called first? we were called the Acid Tommy Experience. <laughs> so we would just play like little local parties and shit, and you know, and just, you know, like like four of them. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I was fifteen, I was playing in a legitimate band called Caustic Cause. Yeah. And then we played some big shows, and and, and they were all in their thirties, and I was fifteen. Holy shit! What? Yeah. Yeah. And were you were you heavily partying at the time at that age? No, I mean I was just drinking beer and smoking weed. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and then and uh, maybe an occasional hallucinogenic. Okay, you know, <laughs> it's my partying started creeping in about seventeen, eighteen, and by the time I was nineteen, I was shooting heroin. Wow, dude. Fuck. But you weren't in no effects yet. No, well, no effects started when I was sixteen. I was okay, 16. here's the lineage. So music was my escape. Yeah. When I was like you know eleven, twelve, thirteen. 14, I got a drum set. By the time I was 15, I was in Costa Cause. I met them through some punk girls in Glendale who knew these older guys that were in a band. Yeah. And they would come over to the house and play. I, I had met Mike in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. And Mike was in a band, but neither one of us had a driver's license. Okay. Right? Too young. He yeah. lived 45 minutes from me, right? So then when we each got it, we would still see each other on shows. We'd yeah. talk on the phone. By the time we we're 16, we both got driver's licenses. We start playing together. I'm still in Costa Cause. We start playing together, and Melvin comes into the equation. Actually, okay. Melvin, Melvin and Mike are playing together, too. Okay. So then I start playing with them. At gotcha. 16, when I'm 16 and a half, I quit Costa Cause. They're in their 30s. I got nothing to relate with. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> these guys, crazy. Yeah, these guys are my age, and, um, you know, fucking skateboard and chase chicks and, yeah. and drink beers. Yeah. You know? So then at 16, that's when no effects started and i haven't been really played with anybody since then wow man it's fucking crazy who came up with the name melvin i have no fucking idea where i mean i kind of have an idea where it came from okay it's the worst goddamn name okay, in the world what, what's your which because i talked to mike about i don't know what what you, what you think it means I, I think what it means or where it came from where it came from yeah like yeah well melvin was kind of into the straight edge thing and and this was in what you guys have a bet on this no, no. mike he, said no okay keep going no Let's melvin go. was no, I know, not Mike. I'm just saying the name itself. Oh no, I, okay. I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm just thinking. Yeah. So, this was like when Melvin was straight edge. Yeah, and this was like Sick. minor threat, like maybe when Out of Step came out about that time. Yeah. Um. Well, Melvin was straight edge, but he wasn't. He would still smoke PCP and take acid. <laughs> <laughs> so so what kind of straight edge he was taking That's the west coast version yeah wait wait yes it's california straight edge right isn't that what Damian lovato says yeah yeah oh, shit. So california anyways. sober yeah fucking like bullshit california sober okay go ahead. so <laughs> i i think he bit it from negative effects ah okay oh, okay yeah okay because they use the fx and, that's right and and i think melvin's theory behind no effects was what you see is what you get there's no effects here like we Ooh. are oh. we are the, what that's you see dope. like we're just fucking three stupid kids yeah the three stupid kids you see on stage are the same three stupid kids you'll see fucking be doing dumb shit behind the catheter grand gotcha did you tell him what you thought it was well that's what somebody told me to say ask him if it ask mike if it meant no fucking straight edge no that was never okay never cool. in yeah. the equation I, he said no to right now that's just probably some straight edge people was like fantasy. Yeah, fantasy, I mean, yeah. Ex, yeah. I, Wishful I, thinking. I also heard no fucking sex. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what? Wait, 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 wait. If there was no fucking sex, none of us would be here. Exactly. That makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> so you're 16, you're in high school, and you're in no effects. Correct. Wow. Correct. And so is that immediate your goal? Like when I graduate, I'm just, gonna, I'm just doing music? Is that what you wanted no, to do? No, no. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I mean, yeah. what it was is it was just something to do. Yeah. I enjoyed playing. 
back then it was just, I mean, still to this day, even though it's become like my livelihood and, and what I do, it's for the love of playing. Of course. You know? And so back then, like, there was no goals to achieve. Like, you know, if you played on a Friday night at the Cafe de Grand, it was like fucking playing, you know, the fucking Hollywood Bowl and headlining. Yeah. You know? So it was just, just to play. We'd play parties. We'd play here. We'd play there. Um, there was no goal. There never was. Because if you start setting expectations, you start setting up failure. Okay. You know? As long as you're having fun, no matter what you're doing. Totally. It's a win-win. Yeah. If you're playing in front of fucking three people and they hate you, but if you're having a good time, it's a win-win. If you're playing 300 people and they love you, it's a win-win. 100%. You know, pessimism is a good thing. Nowhere yeah, to go a- but up. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you're, so what happened in my notes, so you, you, know, you only know effects for maybe like, what, one or two years before you get really strung out? Is that true? Uh, I was in no effects. Let me see. We started with 16. Yeah. When I graduated high school, I was like 18. Like 85, you left the band or something. Yeah, this is 85. I left the band because I was 18. I mean, I was taking acid every week at that point. Yeah. Like, I was taking acid in high school a lot. Fuck, <clears throat> tripping in high school? Yeah, it was wow. not fun, man. Not fun. Damn. Uh, I mean, it was fun, but but now that I think about it, it's yeah, not fun. You're like, whoa. Yeah. Oh, that explains the bad grades. <laughs> <laughs> like, I tried really hard. Yeah. Tripping in school. Wow. Yeah. Taking acid in school. Yeah, it was weird. I, went- I would do this, too. A couple, a couple times I did this take a hit of acid and then fall asleep like at 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And then at about 1130, wake up like your dreams start getting really like purposely fall asleep before the acid kicks in. Okay. See where the trip takes you. And then you wake up in the middle of night in a dark room, man, you go to fucking outer space. Wow. Yeah, man. It's fucking, <laughs> did you, did your parents know you were getting doing drugs and shit in the house or, uh, you'd have to be a fucking moron not to, yeah. <laughs> you know, the lights are on at all hours. I'm fucking, you know, it's pretty obvious. yeah, I mean, I, I came home drunk a bunch and it was fucking obvious. I, mm. you know, I mean, yeah, it was, yeah, they knew, you know, were they worried about you? You think, I don't think my dad had very high expectations. Actually, mm. I know he didn't. Um, I'm sure my mom was worried about me, yeah. you know, I mean, especially my like early, late, late teens, and early 20. I mean, that's a different, that's a different world. Um, yeah, they were, uh, you know, I don't know. I remember a conversation my mom told me. My mom was talking to my dad about me going to college. Yeah. And my dad's like, cut this shit. You really think he's <laughs> fucking going to college? You know, so there was no expectations. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're playing music, so that's good. You're playing yeah. shows. Like yeah, playing part. shows. And, you know, and it gave me back to a sense of acceptance. Yeah. Because now I'm doing something that I was actually good at. Mm-hmm. People, like, uh, I felt worthy. You know what I mean? It, the, the music did save my life. Yeah. You know? And also in punk rock, you can be yourself and not worry about, you know what I'm saying? We're all kind of misfits and it's coming from weird places, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, it's, you're attracted to punk rock because something about the volatility, something about the, the I don't know if the outcastness or something about the yeah. acceptance of people's differences is, yep. is, is attractive. And it's because you feel that within yourself. I, I feel. Hundred percent, yeah, and you, you, know, and you can come out of your shell and really just be yourself. You're not worried about. Yeah. And plus, when you're hanging out with the lowest common denominator, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> Were the other guys no effects partying too? Mike was I, definitely drinking a lot back then. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Mike, yeah. Mike's always drank. Yeah. Uh, Melvin was pretty mellow, but he would he would drink, you know, and he would smoke weed, and he, and he would take acid with me occasionally, mm-hmm. you know. But I mean, you know, before we played, Mike would have, you know, Mike was Mike back then. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah, we were. Uh, we were a party-ish band. Party-ish band. But how do you go from like drinking into an acid in school and st- still, are you still in high school when you try heroin? No. 
No. Okay, so you're out at that point. Okay, so this is what happened. I graduated high school, and this is when I left. Barely made it out of high school. Right, barely. And this is when I left the band. Um, I had a girlfriend from the rich side of the tracks. Mm. Grew up in a preparatory school. You know, parents are doctors. Lived on a golf course. And then uh, what happened was is she got accepted to UCSB. Okay. You know, University of Santa Barbara. Okay. Very nice, respectable school. And I wanted to be with her. Okay. You know, she was a fucking cool lady. And, and so she moved up there. And I was like, you know, I'm moving up there with you. So I moved up there. And what happened was is. It's beautiful there, too. Oh, it's rad. She moved up there. She was going to UCSB. I was living in downtown Santa Barbara. And uh, I quit the band. Because, okay. I don't know. For love? For her? No. <laughs> I was a fucking knucklehead idiot. Because they were like, hey, we're going on tour. And there was something in the way of going on tour. I was like, well, I can't do it. So we mm. can't go on tour. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go on tour with or without you. I'm like, well, fuck you then. Wow. You know, okay. like one of those kind of things. <laughs> yeah. You know, instead of me just compromising, going, okay, let's figure something out. Yeah. Was like it was like the first tour or something, no? We had toured a couple times okay, before okay. that. Like when we were in high school, we had gone yeah. on tours. So anyway, so I quit. Joined another little band up there whatever and then fell into the wrong crowd in Santa Barbara I started dealing drugs um uh what kind of drugs all kinds coke and acid and just coke and acid okay and and in high school I was dealing at at junior high I was dealing a lot of weed okay my next door neighbors with my aunt uncle who were drug dealers who had like an endless supply of weed and I would just go steal it from them they're not going to say anything to me because you know, they're not going to say anything to me because Call then, the cops, you stole my weed or something. Right, yeah, you know, yeah. and they're not going to say anything to my parents because I'm getting my supply from my mom's sister. You know, it's just, wow. and I knew it, Whoa. and I knew it. So, <laughs> so I'm dealing drugs up there and just, you know, not a drug, like petty, very petty, yeah. you know, 20, Small time. 20 bucks here and there. Yeah. Uh, joined a stupid little band and. I just kind of gravitate towards the downtown punkers. There was this like group of punkers. Like squatters or? Rich kids. Squatting in Santa Barbara. <laughs> yeah. Half half rich kids, half poor kids, <laughs> but they would just hang out on the street corner. Gotcha. So, and I'm a punker. I go, hey, punkers, what's happening? Punker, I'm yeah. a punker. You know, we, we started hanging out. <laughs> and there was heroin in the scene. Mm. And there was this guy named Ryan, who was the very fucking scary guy who's now doing life in prison for being a serial rapist. Beca- Holy fuck. Became dude. my best friend. Holy what? shit! That's not where I thought that yeah. was gonna go. Me either, man. Yeah. He, he became a, his his uh, his older brother. His older brother was a, was a high up in the Mexican mafia at the Jesus time. Jesus Christ! He's dead now. Got stabbed to death in prison. Okay. Ryan had just served seven years. Okay. And he was built like a white, yeah, like a white Mike Tyson, just fucking with tattoos on his neck in 1985. Oh, like, yes. you're like, what? Way the shocking. Fuck? Super yeah. shocking. You know. Then. And he was scary as fucking. Would fucking drop people at the left and so what do i do i want to be accepted i go to the fucking biggest fucking knucklehead there is and we become bros he's shooting heroin i start shooting heroin because i want to be accepted wow right. man holy shit that's how the drugs came into my life those drugs mm-hmm. you know uh, how old are you then nine eight nineteen 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 um the first time I did coke, I shot it. Second time I did coke, I shot it. Yeah. The second time I did coke, I smoked it. The third time I did coke, I snorted it. I did it completely backwards. Holy yeah. shit, man. Yeah. yeah. So that's where my life took took a fucking radical, radical turn. I mean, I was heading down the wrong path anyways. Yeah. But once you take your first shot, that's what people say all the time, you never get the same high again, ever. Uh, he, he, and he, he, he actually said, welcome to hell. Okay. While he was doing it, you know? 
You actually said that. And, and, and you remember the first time doing it? Absolutely. And it felt like a, a, a lead balloon just came over me. Like, you know, like I felt weighted from the top down, just lead. That's what heroin kind of feels like. Holy you know, like, And so at this time, I was actually back in no effects. We had, we had reconciled. And they have no idea this is happening at this uh, point. Oh, they knew. Okay. They knew. They knew who I was hanging out with. They knew what I was doing. Okay. You know, I know we're kind of jumping all over the place. No, right? I love no, no, this. this I'm, trying, I'm trying great. to keep it like in no, this is great. some sort of time. No, That's you're, how we you're roll doing good. You're we doing fucking, good. We flow yeah. it. Damn. So you're no effects and you're doing heroin and you're doing heroin. Santa Barbara. And I'm doing a bunch of stupid bullshit crimes. Like, like give me crime. Breaking what? into houses, stuff like that. Like shit I should have gone to prison for. And I am wow, fucking. I've, I've only been arrested a couple times. I am so fucking. And then, well, that carried on my life for the next eight years. I am so fucking grateful I didn't end up where most of my friends dead, dead or in prison. Yes. Mm-hmm. To this day. I mean, I have yeah. people rolling out of prison now that I was friends with back then because they just kept fucking up every time they got paroled. Damn. Yeah. But you didn't get arrested that many times? I got arrested twice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For just stupid bullshit. And it was just stupid little times. But now you're breaking in houses to get money for heroin? Uh-huh. And f- mostly to impress the people around me. Yeah. Because of my I'm insecurities. crazy with my people. Yeah. yeah to, to, because I had that hole inside of me and I wanted to be accepted. So I'm hanging out with a bunch of fucking idiots and I want to be accepted because I didn't get that acceptance at home and I didn't know what self-worth was. Yeah. yeah. So if I was going to get in trouble for, I was always getting in trouble. So why not just do negative shit yeah, fuck it. and get praised for it? And even if you got in trouble back then, you got praised for for being hard. Yeah, and your dad uh-huh. doesn't think you're going to end up doing anything anyway, so fuck it, I'll just live up to that. Dude, when I got out of high school, my dad goes, I got a job for you. And I go, what? He goes, wastewater management. I'm like, what the fuck is that? He goes, I want you to work in a shit factory. You know, where they fucking process yeah. shit. Yep. And I'm like, why? He goes, there's always going to be people, there's always going to be shit, so you got job security. It's like, fuck. Oh, my God. Damn, I mean, I remember that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, thanks for like fucking trying to elevate me. Oh my god, man! Yeah, I was like, fuck. Wow. So, uh, I'm so quick, happy quick, of an amazing music career, dude. <laughs> fuck yeah! <laughs> I know. Uh, quick question: um, so, so you you stuck with like the smaller crimes? Yeah, and you were around people that were doing the bigger stuff, right? Yeah. So, what made you not go to bigger crimes? Well, I mean, I, don't, I mean, Do, they or were. Or is, is that a fair? Uh, no, it's a fair question. But yeah. what it was is we were all doing like breaking into houses, breaking into cars, robbing people, like you know, like. Purse snatching, did a couple purse snatches. You have weapons yeah. on you when you do that? Uh, one time we were, one time I had a crowbar, and another time, well, we had a gun one time. Okay. But that guy Ryan was carrying the gun, and he's he's a legitimate sociopath. Yeah. Um, no, it's crazy. He, he was a murderer. Like he had killed a bunch of people already by that. Yeah, and he and he's not a bad kid. He's not a criminal. He's not a thug. He just trying to feel some sort of love and acceptance. Yeah, that's why I was that getting that, from yeah, home. That's, and that's yeah. why I was talking on this podcast. Like the love and the affection, the communication starts at home. Everything starts in the fucking home. Absolutely, dude. and that's why. Okay, that's why gangs are such a big thing. Yeah, these kids grow up in an environment where their dad's gone, or their dad is no a fucking figure. asshole. You know, and they're just looking for someone to say, hey, man, we accept you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why fraternities and colleges, you know, it's this, it's all the same thing. There's yeah. why there's, there's why there's little fucking crews in the punk rock world. It's all the same thing. People that are just looking for acceptance. They're just looking for someone to go like, I got your back or you're okay in my eyes because they weren't getting that somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so he's not, he's not want, he really does want to go to jail, no. but he also don't look like a pussy and a punk yeah. and roll with these guys, right? Right, and, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, like there was shit that, that I was involved with. That you regret, kind of? Yeah where, yeah, where my heart was going, don't do it, dude, don't do it. 
your brain is going, do it, do it. They'll accept you. Your heart knows the truth. When you're in bed at night, you're in bed at night and your brain shuts off and your heart is telling you like, he fucked up. Mm, or, or, yeah. or like, yeah. you're better than this. You know, that's the fucking truth. To me, that's God. I don't believe in a God. Okay. But that's God. Good orderly direction. Well, that, that's, Ooh, what, good that's what I was. Direction, right? yeah, like, do the right thing for the, yeah. for not just you, but for everybody around you. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I wonder if it was like in his heart, like, I mean, some of these smaller ones, yeah, it was like, it, I felt like they were just well enough to be accepted and that you didn't have to go bigger. I wonder if that was just like a thing in your conscience that like telling you. There wasn't you know, opportunities. We were all just petty criminals. Like just that guy Ryan was beyond, like he was a violent rapist. Yeah. And he was my best friend. And uh, he didn't do any of that shit around me. I didn't really know. I had heard stuff. I'd heard about him killing this guy or that guy like bums. Like he would go bum hunting and kill bums. I'd heard about that. And, and by, um, Knowing this guy, it was legit, you know. But he no. went shocked, yeah, yeah. But but if if he got arrested for when we were hanging out, he got arrested for raping a few girls and got sent away to twelve years for twelve years, right? This was all like, yes, he was my best friend, but I didn't. Re- I'm looking for acceptance. Uh, yeah, I didn't know about it. I wasn't. I mean, I I had heard, but I wasn't there. And the thing is, if if you cross this guy, you're next on the hit list. He's gonna fucking smoke you, you know. Yeah. So so I just so I just yeah the fear. I didn't do what I should have done, you know. Is either distance myself or report him. I, yeah. I didn't do it because a 19 year old, 20 year old, 21 year old kid doesn't. I, I didn't know how to handle that. Yeah. That, I mean that's I mean that puts a lot of that's a lot of pressure and a lot of fear right there because you like especially if you're hearing it and then also you see. Homie's actions, and you're kind of and like, I saw how he would and, turn and so on it people. Scares you, scared for your I, life. He was one of those guys. Scared for your life. Absolutely, he was one of those guys. And I'm sure you've seen it, and I'm sure you've seen it. Sure. Like everything's cool, but the, but someone's a screw loose, and it's been way totally institutionalized. All of a sudden, someone like Joe Pesci, Joe Pesci and Goodfellas. What's so <laughs> hey. fucking funny about me? Yeah, you know, he just says an innocent comment, and it gets twisted to all of a sudden you're on the hot seat, and I'm like, fuck, this guy's gonna fuck me up for nothing. So true. And I've seen him do that to a zillion people. Got it. And yeah. this is where I turn, where where this weird story even takes a weirder turn. Okay. I had a plan that if he was to ever turn on me, which he did on everybody, and would fuck him up because you are not fucking him up, I was going to kill him. Okay. Only way to get out of it with him. Mm-hmm. I was going to kill him. That was your plan. That was my plan. Fuck. I was going to, I had a plan. I was going to, him and I was going to get him in a car. We were going to go up into the mountains and I was going to fucking shoot him. Because oh, his family, shit, but I, know, I get, I get, I get, I get everything you're saying. Because yeah. he had yeah. actually tormented so many people. He had tormented this one kid so much, like punked him so hard for so many years. The kid ended up hanging himself. You know, holy fuck. So I was gonna fucking shoot him. And since his brother was higher up in the Mexican mafia, his little brother Rory was also like they're all super connected in that fucking world. I wouldn't think that the police would look too hard. I yeah. probably wasn't the best plan. No, but it was like it was like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, but I, but I was, I was going to kill him. Fuck. I mean, but like I said, I, I can understand you're terrified for your life. Like yeah. you're like, but he's also my best that? fucking friend. Yeah, because yeah, there's a there's a lot fucking it was like with a the mental fucking mind fuck. Yeah, it was weird. And the drugs. It was just, it was being locked into a David Lynch movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like just like what the I don't know. I don't know. You felt stuck. Oh, I definitely was stuck. Yeah, that's it was, scary it was, as fuck. You're 19 and shit. Yeah, 19, 20. So he never fucked with you, like, ever? No. 
No, he Damn. never did. He never did. He fucked with Eric Melvin once really bad. I want to hear that. Okay. Was he like tight with you, like homies with you? Oh, like he, we he was were like best friends. Nice we were best to you friend. and yeah. everything. It was Loved just like him. there was another side of him that was like scary. We would, we would go, this sounds fucking weird. We would go break into houses and then we'd be walking away from breaking into a house. Or even if we just went to the coffee shop to have, have a coffee. Whatever maybe what friends do. Normal shit. Yeah. Yeah, you want to go we to a would, coffee shop? <laughs> we would talk about life and expectations and this and that. And like you have these in-depth conversations. He was like, so comfortable to be with you, be himself right. with you, yeah. But, you know, he was a fucking lunatic. What do you do to Melvin? So, okay. <laughs> you did not fuck with this dude. You know, like he was... That I got some New York friends like right. that. Right. Like, no matter what, they are a sociopath. Yeah. You know, you're on their good side, and you want to be on their good side, or you don't want to know them at all. Yeah. Right? But if you're on... If you're just in the periphery, and you guys kind of know each other, shit's going to swing your way at some point. For sure. Um, Everybody's a target. Right. So him and Melvin, we were at a pool hall. We had played, no offense, had played. And this place was called the Great American Eagle Pool Hall or something like that yep. in Santa Barbara. So who would come to your show as this guy? Yeah, he was, you know, okay. yeah. So um, he, Melvin had a 1966 Mustang. Okay. Kind of a beater, but he had a Mustang. And Ryan had a Chevelle. And Ryan said, let's play for pinks. Damn. Right. And when someone like that says something to you, if Melvin was to say, no, he called me fucking pussy. What are you, a fucking punk? He ain't a man. You know, and embarrass him. You know, Melvin said yes. Okay. And so it's like a fucking movie. They start playing. Melvin sucks at pool. Ryan was not much better, but a little better. So the fucking 40 people at the show circle the fucking pool table. Damn, it's like a movie. It, it like a is movie. a fucking movie. Yeah. And they're playing, they're playing, they're playing, they're playing, they're playing. Melvin wins. Oh, <laughs> Melvin wins and then you ever see those like one guy's on you know like those those things where one guy's on each side of the couch and one's walking around the other one's trying yeah. to get him and they're just like staying the same distance <laughs> away from the couch pool table like that Ryan was fucking pissed like Melvin won and he, and he's like you ain't fucking taking my car you gonna take my car you get? and started like fucking like coming at him and Melvin they were circling around the table Melvin's like I'm sorry bro I'm sorry bro you can have your car I was just fucking you know like yeah. full like no 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 it's good it's good it's good so that went on for, and it was just fucking super intense. It was scary, whatever. That's, that stopped. However it stopped, it faded out. Four or five nights later, Ryan's at the house with me. Melvin's there. Ryan comes in and sees Melvin. He goes, you ain't even fucking man enough to back your own word and take my car. You ain't even fucking man enough. And started fuck with him and fucking bitch slapped him. Holy fuck. And he's like, you ain't even fucking man enough, you fucking punk. You know, and it's so, so like, Holy you know, shit. you're talking your about, boy, too, in your band. Yeah, it's hard, yeah. man. And Ryan's my boy. It's just yeah. psychological warfare, you know? Yeah. So that just, it just fucking smacked him in the face. Fuck. Shook Melvin to the core, too. Because he would have took Melvin's car in a hot second. Oh, bro. fuck yeah. And he <laughs> oh, was thinking, like, what the fuck are you going to do about it? What the fuck are you going to do about it? You know? Oh, my God. And so that, bully shit, man. Yeah, total Damn. bully. Total bully. You know? Fucking Melvin, that sucks. I know. And Melvin's the nicest, sweetest, just gentlest dude in the world. I know. Ugh. Fuck. Okay, so you're back in the band. You're on heroin. You live in Santa Barbara. The band kind of knows you're on that shit. And then you go on tour and you're still functioning like that? Yeah, I would get strung out. I would get strung. I mean, we weren't much of a band at the time. Mike was in school. Yeah. Full time. You know, and the only time we'd play shows is like, you know, Easter break. We got like two weeks. Or summer break. We'd have three months. You know, so we'd play an occasional weekend show throughout the year. So I would have basically nine months a year to fuck off to be a junkie. And then, and then we get a phone call, or I get a phone call, or whatever it is, like, hey, man, I'm picking you up, we're picking you up, you know, June 4th, and we're going out until September 4th. We're going across the U.S. 
And we're like, we are? How are we doing that? I don't know. We're just going to go you know, play parties and go to the local record store, put the record store, and just kind of piece it together, piecemeal it together. So I would be strung out on heroin. So the first, so they picked me up, and the music was in my soul. It's what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know? Um, they picked me up, and I'd be dope sick. I'd kick for the first week. I'd dr- drink like a fucking fish. I drank like a fish the whole fucking tour, but I would be dope sick, and I'd kick for the first week, week and a half, no sleep, sick in the back of the van. There'd be six of us in a van, and and- you know, I would just do it, and yeah. occasionally score score drugs on the road. But it, it's not. And how was your playing during that time? Did it affect your playing? It had to, no? I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was I wasn't very good, anyways, yeah. at the time. <laughs> like I started off. This, this is a true story. <laughs> I started off really hot, like because when I was playing with those guys in their thirties, yeah, because they they could fucking play. They were good yeah. musicians, yeah. so I elevated. Okay. I quit them to play with Mike and Melvin, and they were just learning. Yeah, so exactly. so, so kinda, I yeah. went backwards. So okay. I was just kind of, you know, in 1988, 89, I was still just trying to build up. You know, I started playing drums in 81 or 82, but I was starting to build, trying to build myself back up. Yeah. And then when did you move out of your house? Like, were you on your own, obviously, then? Like, when yeah, you, right out of high school. You were like, out. Okay. Yeah. Did your parents know you were on heroin? And- they, yeah, they, they got a phone call from somebody. I know, still don't even know who it was. And told them, and then my mom called me up and said, "I know you're doing drugs. I know you're doing heroin." And and I was like, "Yeah, I am." You know, and and I wasn't like dickish about it, but I owned it. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm not gonna like fucking bullshit. Go, no, no, it, no. Yeah. I was like, "Yeah, you know." And and she trying to get you to come home and stuff, or you know, she's typical codependent mom. You know, and then by the I was in Santa Barbara for like three years, and then I moved back to L.A., lived with them, got kicked out, squatted, did couch surfing around moved to san francisco couch surfed around and i would hit my mom up for money i was just gonna ask you that you do the thing where you kept going back for money no i'm clean now yeah yeah i would i would or i need to get on methadone and i need 30 bucks to get on methadone or i need to pay the only 30 bucks any shit if you think about it but yeah 30 dude scrounging up 10 bucks just to get a fucking bag was hard yeah, yeah, back then. Is heroin expensive compared to like other drugs? Uh, back then it was pretty expensive. It's okay. cheap as fuck now. Okay, it's cheap as fuck now. Damn, um, that's why so many people go to it now. Yeah, right? yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's so much worse. Than so it. do a comparison. So it's ten dollars. So okay, hard. okay, comparison. When I first started getting high, a quarter gram of heroin was a quarter a quarter gram. It's like the size of uh, a dime. Was sixty bucks. Okay. Okay. That now is probably about fifteen bucks. Wow. Holy fuck! Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's expensive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and 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 so you're not really working then, too, are you? Uh, I worked at the LA Weekly on and off. Oh shit! Oh, I had a car. What, what were you doing there? Ju- uh, I worked in. The, okay, <laughs> <laughs> was it a paper route? No, I'm no. Just kidding. Yeah. I, okay, <laughs> the LA Weekly. I worked there from '89 to '91 on and off. Um, I knew the girls in L7 really well. Love L7. Right. They worked there. Wow. Uh, Danita worked there. Okay. And they needed somebody in the art department to run around and pick up and drop off films. Gotcha. You know, this is pre-internet shit. Hell yeah. You know, films so they could press. So a couple days a week, I'd go in there for like three hours a day and just do a little route down this neighborhood or that neighborhood. Yeah. You know, and just pick up what they were going to print. Okay. So you got your job. That's cool. But no, for the most part, my job back then was that. And stealing books. Mm. Was a book. From the library? No, from from like <laughs> <laughs> stealing books. Well, they give them to you for free. Steal them. <laughs> Duh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, what was random bookstores? Uh, yeah. Because. Uh, that was a flip. You could flip a book yeah, and make money? Yeah. I had a guy that would pay me 20% of cover prices. He, he, <laughs> he, he, he uh, had 
he sold books at swap meets and, a, and at book fairs. Gotcha. And he would say, I need A, B, C, and D, architecture books that go for 200 bucks a pop or school supplies that go for 100 bucks a pop. Gotcha. And he gave me 20% of the cover price. This motherfucker had a whole ring of strung out 21-year-old junkies to go fucking supply his shit. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah, he's a fucking scandal. I mean, yeah, I was a scandalous dude, but I was just trying to survive. He is a scandalous dude taking advantage of all of us fucking assholes. Yeah. So he had probably, in my group, probably eight or nine of us that would go and steal books. Tandem, like to, as a team or individually, you know? So what kind of spots would you go to back then? Oh, fuck. There was, no Barnes and There, was, there were circus books up the street we used to hit a lot. Circus books. Melrose, where Melrose and um, Santa Monica kind of merge. Yeah. Okay, yeah. There's a, um, a really, there was a really high-end like architecture and art supply books. I do remember there. that, actually. Um, kind of like down the street from Fred Siegel a little bit. Okay. Uh, just, just weird. I mean, yeah, you could go to Barnes. There was, there was, uh, there wasn't Barnes and Nobles, but it was another something chain. like something that, of yeah. that, right? World. But there was all of these independent ones all over the place that actually had a you know a two hundred dollar book twenty percent is forty bucks. Boom, damn. You know, for one book, that's fucking. That's crazy. so funny. It's such a crazy <laughs> hustle, man. A crazy it's a weird hustle, hustle dude. So rich. Oh, oh, and Thomas guides too. We used to steal Thomas guides okay. and go to the Beverly Center and the taxi stand. The guys would line up at the taxi stand. The taxi drivers, they always need Thomas guides. Thomas guides were like sixty bucks a pop or something. What like is that. what is that? A Thomas guide. You don't know what Thomas? It's old school, bro. Uh, Wait, how like old are you? How old are you? Thirty-four. Oh, you're a fucking baby. Yo, it's like a phone book and shit. But it's yeah, like it mapping. is. What it is Before is a map quest. A big ass, thick ass fucking map book of the city. Yeah. Oh. A big ass, thick ass. <laughs> so, so you would you would look up the address, fourteen seventeen, uh, right? Yeah. Oh, by the way, my street address, fourteen seventeen. Oh shit, yeah. nice. So you look it up and you go there. It is, and then it would say page A. Or maybe page 80, yeah. zone B4. And then you go B4, there it is, and you figure out how to get there. You know? Before MapQuest, before all that shit, bro. That's so, so fucking Yeah, so we, we would go hit up the fucking taxi drivers and sell them for 20 bucks a pop or whatever. Damn. There's always a hustle. <laughs> if there's a need, if there's a want, there's a need. Yeah. There's yeah. always a hustle for people to buy shit. Yeah. That is very true. Very, very true. Fuck. But so yeah. in the meantime, no effects isn't much of a band, like I said. Like yeah. Mike's in college, Melvin's, you know, just doing what he, Melvin was working and... So I would have fucking nine months to fuck off, mm-hmm. and we'd get together occasionally to play an occasional show here and there in San Francisco or L.A., mm-hmm. and then in the summertime, we'd get in a van, like, uh, it just fucking pile up and just go. Is this before the first record, uh, Liberal Animation, in uh, 1988? Uh, we had done, yeah, 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 because our first tour was in 84. You did 20 albums with them, by the way. Is that what it is? Yeah. Dude, and we've probably done 70 singles. Yeah, that. That's yeah. Crazy. fucking crazy. I'm recording a new album right now. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that was before. Yeah, because in 80, 85, they went on tour without me. Yep. 86, I did the summer tour. We, we didn't have anything out. Nope. I mean, we had a, a single out. Yeah. 87, 88. Yeah, all the way through. Every every summer. Damn, I was born in 87. Damn. <laughs> wait, wait, where are you from? I'm from Arizona. Yeah, what's your mom's name? Robin. Oh, I remember Robin. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, right, dude? Oh, my God. Or maybe, right. maybe you do know. Wait, so are you 1965? Uh, Six. 66, okay. Yeah. Wait, is your mom she's my 1965. age? 1965. Ah, yeah. fucking That's hey. fucking crazy, yeah. man. Yeah, she um, was 22 when she had me. So you guys are putting records. It seems like almost a record almost every year. Too. Once that kicks off, it's just like... It's a cycle. Yeah. So you starting to make... I mean, after the first record came out, you guys started touring a lot more too, right? No, it was the same. It was the same sort of deal, but the touring got a little bigger, I guess. Like I think we went to Europe the first time in 
88? Okay. I think oh, so. Damn, nobody's going to Europe back then. Right. It might, I think it oh, was really? a, Not really, what, man. How that worked out is we ended up on the East Coast. And um, remember that? What was that fucking Mac, Maximum Rock and Roll? Yes. You know, dude. you just look at scenes, you know, and you go like, you know. It's true. Baltimore. You call up the Baltimore guy like, hey, dude, I'm coming through next week. Can you set something up? And the Baltimore guy go, yeah. And then you say, okay, well, what you got to go? You know anybody in Virginia? And it was just like this. To- totally DIY. And that's way, how. Right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was just. People to people to people to people and just set it up and just hope for the best. I saw that in another state of mind for the first time. People making phone calls, calling from landmines. Like in another state of mind, Chappelle, they're calling each city. You go to D.C., you know the people there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You you just piece it together. You know, you'd play a party. You'd play a gas station. You'd play, you know, a fucking (laughs) record store, whatever it was. Yeah. So so, uh, Mike had been in contact with somebody in Europe, right? And I think it's 88. Mike had been like this guy named Dolph, and then Dolph goes, "Hey man, uh, I was going to do the adolescence, and they just packed, they just backed out last minute. Do you want their tour? Like the 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 everything was set. Damn. And we were in Baltimore, and we're like, fuck yeah, let's do it. I don't know how we paid for the airplane tickets. That's what I was going to ask. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Dolph fronted it or or something like that. I really, I really don't know. I had five bucks in my pocket, and so we left a van at, at at my friend DJ's house. And we just went to Europe for two months or something like that. That is fucking we had freedom, insane. no responsibility. No. Just fucking go. And we got there, and we Dolph picked us up at the airport, and we were in a, another van with another band, you know. So there was, I don't know, eight, eight, eight to ten of us in one of those tiny Euro vans, Fuck, dude. you know, just fucking sitting on top of each other with all, all the equipment. And we did two months that way, just playing the same way, squats, squats. record store. A small club where there was four people there and some fucking drunk Bavarian dude in the corner that didn't give a fuck, you know. But we did it. We're in fucking Europe, so it's exciting though. Yeah, yeah. Back to the no expectations. You're gonna have a good time. Exactly. I was in Europe, dude. I fucking grew up in a shitty fucking household. Never expected to get out of California, and I'm playing mm-hmm. playing fucking Italy. What, what do you mean playing squats? Like uh, oh, they put shows on the squats. They're amazing, broken down buildings that these punkers take over. People have bunk beds in there. You live in there. They're all. Graffiti out, they cook you food. Yeah, like a hostel. Fucking like well, no, not really. What it is is they don't have it here so much. I mean, nah. in Europe, the, the way Europe worked is if there's an abandoned building, whether it be next door here or a fucking high rise in downtown LA or a fucking, if no one's occupied it for X amount of time, it's up for grabs. And if you go in there, <laughs> if you go in there and you stake your claim and you stay there and you muscle it out for six months, nine, whatever it is, it becomes yours. Not Maybe not ownership, but living rights. So what they do is they make these these communes, I guess, like these areas, because there would be blocks of like, yeah, know, like a, like a big ass area. Uh-huh. Okay, Brooklyn in the fucking or or Manhattan in the fucking eighties, you know, like a big ass area where there's a block of no one living there. Bending buildings, yeah, right. So imagine like you know fucking two hundred people going there and just start making their houses, and then it becomes a thing, and then all of a sudden it becomes like, uh. You know, a commune, like all these people kind of living together in harmony. So, so. And they treat you so awesome. Yeah, you roll in and they go, yeah, man, that, you can sleep here, you can sleep there. They cook you food. We got a little, we got a little. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, we got an art studio here if you want to go do art. Sometimes we got there's a, a half pipe. Yeah, there. we got a skate ramp there. I was going to say, we got a skate ramp there. We got a, we, <laughs> yeah, we got, we got, this is the, this is the fucking bar where you guys yeah. are playing. That's all over Europe. That, that still was more, right now. That was still more. Right oh, still. Still play those. Yeah, it's yeah. been going on. I was like, I was going to say, I was like, I wonder if they can still do that. No, Bro. no, no. The squats have actually. There's, there's this place in Copenhagen called what's that called? Yes. Christiana. It's fucking amazing, bro. It was an old military compound. It's huge. Yeah. I mean, like, it's probably like the size of Glendale. I don't know. It's huge. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It's an old, and it was an abandoned military compound. And in the early 70s, a bunch of like hippies said, oh, we're going to go fucking live here. And they fought it out with the cops. They fought it out with this fucking system. And they won. Now it's its own independent country. Bro. They sell drugs on the street. Not hard drugs, but you go in there and they, it's yeah. like, it's fucking bizarre. People were selling their merch. It's just a whole different community, man. We wow. play there all the time. Every time we go to your play there. Yeah. So imagine like, like a hippie commune, uh-huh. but same idea, but punks yep. in a city. That's fucking. You could dope. get like good food and. Uh, that's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like vegan slot for? Is like the yeah. suits and shit. But dude, Roger Agnostic Front back in the day, there was a thing called the 10th Street Squat, where they took over a building on 10th Street in between Avenue B and C mm-hmm. in the 80s. And Roger and all these dudes redid it because Roger does electricity, and they redid this whole entire building. Freddie, everybody lived there for years. We used to go hang out there. The 10th Street Squat. It's fu- it might still be there. From the 80s. Yeah. yeah. And, and after a while, amazing, the government bro. just goes like, you know what? You're taking care of it. You know, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's yours. It's yours. You know? So so we would play squats, you know, all the time. Same with H2O. Same yeah. with pretty much any band that's ever toured Europe at a at a small punk rock level. Yeah. yeah. That's your you main. Played a, you've played a squat. For sure. Wow. For sure. It's so that's, sick. It's, it's going dope. to those cultures and stuff, going there for the first time, like. And 88 must have been way... And, and way. They all, like, they're all like appreciative of the... Absolutely. Yeah, you guys man. coming I mean, over. And- uh, we, we ran into some shit with some feminists there. You know, oh, okay. like you know, there's always there's always a bit of the uh, of some the, more PC than other different vibes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. like of a militant sort of a militant uh, um, PC lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, and we had a song called "On the Rag." Yeah, where <laughs> to defend Mike, he wrote it about his girlfriend, not about the whole fucking female race. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah and yeah, he even yeah. says her name in there. Oh, okay. You know, but you know, we had a group of feminists. I don't know, a group of eight storm the fucking show of four. And fucking <laughs> and throw bottles at us and 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 beat us off the stage oh. back then. Not beat us off, but beat us off the stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're feminists, oh, goddamn it! They don't beat off. And that was back then. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he gets a <laughs> fist fight with a fucking group of lesbians. I'm sure he gets to defend a lot of songs probably throughout the career. Oh, Mike, yeah. Mike mentioned that too. Yeah, I just yeah. Certain, yeah. You know, oh, yeah, if he, you he stop defending, it. it takes the argument out of everything. Mm. You just go okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but if you if you make a stance, then it gives them a room for, yeah. for a stance and it's a tit for tat. And d- does Mike do most of the interviews and stuff throughout the career, or you you talk a lot too and do stuff? Mike does. Yeah. Ninety five percent of it. Yeah. You know, it's it's not because it's been delegated that way. It's just, just kind of he's the front man, and that's yeah. just the way it's just kind of falls. Yeah. That's so, usually how it works with bands. Like usually, yeah. Unless you're in Metallica, Lars wants to do all the talking. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, motherfucker, you got a drum stool. Sit down. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and Lars does. He tries not supposedly tries not to do repetitive set lists. So he'll look at the set list from each city when they go back to it, and the date supposedly has like a whole thing. And he tries to play at least one different song when they go back, like to switch it so up. So it's not oh, repetitive. We do the yeah. same thing. Okay, we keep a file of every show, that, a set list of every show. And let's say you know we just played Dallas last weekend. Okay, okay. so what do we play Dallas the last four times we played? There's the four set lists on the computer. We go, okay, we got to play something different now. That's yeah. cool. We switch it up. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. That's dope. You know, and not just for the fans, it might be seeing you again for the same time. Just for yourself too, make it fucking make it exciting. fresh and yeah. Yeah. Are there some songs you just don't want to play anymore? Or you love still playing the same songs. Uh, I love still playing the same songs. Yeah. I really do. And actually, if it's a song that that I've played more and more and more, I'm more comfortable playing. I, I have f- more fun with it. Yeah. Because I'm more comfortable with it. You know. Yeah. It's when we when we pull out a song that we haven't played for 15 years, it's a little difficult, and we didn't practice it. It's kind of like. Oh fuck! You know it's it's a little challenging, but it's it's all fun. I just love playing live. Yeah, I really, I really do. You can yeah. tell. You can, you can tell totally for sure. tell. 
And so you, you, so then does that kind of become your full-time thing once you get back from Europe? Because you have... No. So we get, okay, we go to Europe in 88 and it's, it, that was a summer thing, you know? Yeah. So we get back and I go back to the junkie lifestyle. Mike goes back to school or whatever we're doing. We getting high over there in Europe, finding good stuff to get uh, high with? That time, no. Okay. But in the later years, in the 90s, yes. Mm. Yes. Because, yeah, because then I started getting a little money. You know, not a lot, but I could have an extra 40 bucks in my pocket. Yeah. You know, um, but you're still maintaining your career while you're getting fucked up. Mike always had a thing and I respect him a lot for this. And, and we ran with the same, same, I ran with the same respect for a long time is that you can do what you want as long as it doesn't fuck up the playing or the band. So I, I would always, yes, I was fucking a, a bona fide heroin addict, alcoholic, but I still took a lot of pride in playing live. Okay. You know, yeah. So yeah, I probably wasn't playing to the best of my ability, but I, but it would still be my precedent. I wouldn't get too fucked up before a show. I'd wait till after, you know, all this kind of stuff. And Mike gave me the respect of like, hey, look, he's not fucking the shows up because the guys, the other guys wanted to kick me out multiple times. He's a founding member. He's not fucking the shows up. He's showing up when he's supposed to show up. Um, yeah, he could be an asshole, you know, but he's still <laughs> fucking doing his job. Yeah, you know. You guys smoke weed. You guys drink beer. It's just that's just his drug of choice. Yeah, you know it, it's probably not the smartest drug of choice. <laughs> you know? but, but yeah, you know he, he gave me that leeway. Yeah, and to be honest, I, I've given him that leeway a lot too. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, he had to deal with me for eight years doing it. I've been dealing with him for fucking twenty five years. Yeah, doing it. yeah. You got a lot of patience, man. Especially oh, being a sober guy too. Yeah. So so what was the final? thing for you that you wanted to get sober was it like rock bottom type of shit or just no it was it was definitely rock bottom um one i, I didn't have any money uh it was definitely 100 percent emotional and to me that those are the worst kind of bottoms okay you know like if you lost your car and you lost this and you lost that if you still got <laughs> money in your pocket you'll still have people telling you you're cool you'll mm-hmm. still have like money to get drunk so this is what my rock bottom was had you made a lot of money too at that point no okay, okay. none Okay. None. I mean, a couple hundred bucks here and there. Okay. But this was, I was still stealing and all, you know, I was still having to steal to, to, to keep up my uh, uh, addiction. Yeah. So the rock bottom was we were getting ready to record White Trash Two Heaps and a Bean. Great album, by the way. Thank you. My Classic. drumming, my drumming was starting to suffer bad because okay. um, everything had gotten worse. Everything had gotten darker. I was yeah. homeless, like living wherever I could live. And, uh, my parents didn't want didn't want me around anymore. My friends didn't want me around anymore. Damn. I, I didn't have anything. The drugs and my behavior and my addiction had isolated me from everything that mattered to me. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So Mike pulled me aside and said, "Unless you get sober, we are kicking you out." They had they had made that decision. Wow. You know, and that decision before had been that conversation had been thrown at me before, and I knew they were kind of full of shit. And Mike always had my back. Yeah. This when he told me that he was like, "We are king," and it was like a fucking light switch. It was, if I lose this band, that means more than anything to me in the world. Yeah, I have lost everything uh-huh. in this life. I everything that's real. Yeah, the only thing I'll have left, I won't have anything left. Yeah. I will be that guy on the street corner by himself with nothing. Yeah, you know, I was already that guy on the street corner, but I had this band. It was what anchored me. It's what gave me purpose. Totally. And if I had that, I was just going to die at 27 years old Fuck. alone. You, you just really helped me understand something for myself uh, with that emotional rock bottom. You know, uh, I quit drinking eight, almost eight, close to eight years ago. Good for you. 
but yeah, there, there's this emotional, and then and then the people telling you, "No, nah, you're fine. You're fine." Yeah. Like it, that, you can still like, play. You can st- you you know it, it really enabling it, you. Oh, it really absolutely. really fucks you up and just sends you down even more. It's that's your decision to make and solely your decision. So yeah. those other people going, you're fine. They're not your friends because yeah. they don't know what's going on between your ears. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you say to your friend, "Hey, I'm really struggling with depression," and they go, "Nah, you're fine." That's yeah. not a friend. And and I what agree. and what I realized is the, the people that said that to me, I don't I don't even talk to those people anymore. Damn. I just and, and, and it wasn't even like, oh, I'm not talking talking to you anymore. It just it just naturally happened because right. it was like, oh, it doesn't fit with where right. I'm headed or totally, where, or exactly. what I, what I've right you know, because the then when you start when you make that choice like, hey, I got to change something in my life, your path changes direction. Yeah. And you're going to leave them on that street when you're going down that street. Yeah. You know, it's natural. Yeah. You can't zigzag between streets because it's going to fuck with you. Yeah. And, and you know, and like, th- like, I mean, your story is just so inspiring in general. And, uh, you know, it's making me learn a lot about myself as well. You know, I, I, I've always struggled with trying to define what it was specifically with me with, with alcohol. I just knew it was, I was in a bad situation. I knew it wasn't good. But like to hear you say the emotional, right. you know. Uh, well, when you grew up, did you feel insecure about yourself in any way, emotionally? Yeah. Or, oh, big time, or, big time. Because I was, you know, it's a good I was the of, black kid that was into punk and skateboarding. Right. Okay. You, so you know, and, and and I would get made fun of at school, and then also, you know, my stepfather at home yeah. would make fun of me about it. So yeah, it was a lot of a lot of tons right. of so then you so then when you put that. The, the drugs or the alcohol on top of that it's like a little band-aid yeah. for a second you're like oh I feel good I feel yeah. I forget yeah. I'm not thinking about how fucking weird I am right now Yeah, you know and then it's a coping mechanism until you can no longer cope because what mm-hmm. you're doing is you're stuffing all those feelings with a numbing agent but then eventually those those feelings are going to spill out because you've been stuffing them yeah yeah, yeah. so did they ever try to did they ever give you ultimatum before that? No, nah, they they like you can you get your shit together. You know, like there had been like not a serious ultimatum, but like, dude, you're fucking blowing it. Like, did you guy. wish they had? No, earlier? because I okay. would. I needed to hear it when I heard it. Okay, you know, like when you're speaking for me, the you speaking for me. When people had said to me, like, dude, you're fucked up, and I'm like, why don't you get? clean and i'm like i'm not ready yet and i would say that i would say it to my mom i would say it to my friends like i was always kind of like because it hadn't then it would have been just a fucking bullshit effort just to appease them you know i knew when i was ready i had to have hit the bottom so hard yeah emotionally that i was like i need to change my life that little voice inside of me was getting Mm -hmm. my heart was getting louder and louder and louder every day and if i lost the band I would have nothing to live nothing, for. Nothing, man. Because you could at least count on them and count on playing music. Yeah. And that was, yeah. How many years you strung out for then? How many years you're on it for? Eight. Wow. Yeah. No, 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 no. Nineteen, twenty-seven. Yeah, eight. Wow. Yeah. And and when I <laughs> when, when I checked myself into rehab, I was 127 pounds. Holy shit. Six Holy foot one. Fuck. Six foot one. Six foot one. 127. <laughs> That's insane. I'm, I'm 200 now. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. And so, and that must. How long are you in there for? How long is that? Uh, Sixty days. This, this okay. is how. This is this is how. It Had works. you tried rehab before that? Never. Okay. Because I knew it was. A fu- I mean, I tried methadone for. A, I was on methadone maintenance, but that was all just band aids to appease yeah, the yeah. fucking this yeah. or that or like, oh, I'm gonna get clean. I'm gonna go on methadone. Yeah. No, it's just so you don't have to go out and fucking rip books. You got somebody handing you a drug. Yeah. You don't have to go deal with sketchy people. Yeah. So, 
this is this is how getting sober worked. I mean, yes, I hit that bottom. Prior to the hitting that bottom, we went to Europe for three months. Damn. Right? And this was the first tour Hefe did, and it was the very first time we ever made money. We were out there for three months in a van, and we each came home with 10 grand. Damn. We had never, I mean, I maybe made 200 bucks here and there, literally. It was just more like a paid vacation. We each came home with 10 grand, and we didn't expect that. I immediately spent 5,000 bucks on heroin in the first, wow. you know. Like, not at once, but like, yeah. you know, Collectively. 75 bucks at a time over, you know, a month or whatever it may be. Um, you buy the high end shit. Like, <laughs> there was no high end back then, man. <laughs> yeah. You know what's crazy? So you know what's crazy? Is something we wouldn't say right now is that we're gonna go to Europe for three months in a van, bro. Yeah, That's so brutal. Think about that. No. That was so normal back then. Yeah, dude, yeah. You're just sitting on each other's laps. Yeah, could, and it could, could, just... you, could you do that now? No, fuck no, for dude. ten grand. Fuck that. Anyway, no. so I, so I spent five grand immediately. Yeah, uh, I gave the money to my mom. I was like, here, you know, I mean, this is bad. And then I, wow. it was like one of the moment of clarities. I think I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, that's what I did. And she would, I, then I would of course call her and beg for money. And she'd give me a little bit at a time. Right. Uh, the band gave me the ultimatum. Yep. And I was like, okay, I hear, I hear, I need this. I need this. So I took 2,500 bucks of that five grand left and paid for two months in a rehab. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and then when I came out, I had twenty five bucks, twenty five hundred bucks yeah. left. Yeah, was that was that a crazy experience getting sober? It's an emotional ride, man. Yeah, it's an emotional ride. It was the first time in my life that I ever dedicated, like, sat down and said, "No matter what happens, the second I walk out, I'm going to give it a hundred and ten percent the whole time I'm here." Yeah, because drugs will still be out there waiting for me when I get out. So of I course. get if if I get high thirty minutes after I leave. At least I gave it a fair shot. Yeah. Mm. So I sat in there for 60 days. It was a fucking place in the middle of the desert. People just coming in and out of prison. It was like real low, but like real like street level. You know, it wasn't one of these fucking country club places by it. It's what I needed. It's where I came from. It's what my life was. And uh, I don't like Palm Springs. Or? Yeah. yeah okay. It was a place called Desert Hot Springs. Okay. And the place was called The Ranch. But um, fuck. So there was one time when I was about three weeks into it, you know, I'm a, it's about 10 miles from the freeway. I had 40 bucks in my pocket. I had 40 bucks for those 60 days. If I wasn't in the middle of the desert, I would have fucking left. Like I was trying, you know, because the, the voices in my head were going. The, the emotions were coming up. And my coping mechanism is get high. Yeah. You know, shut that shit off. But I didn't. I stuck through it. I gave, I gave it every single fucking, every single opportunity I gave it all I could. You yeah. know, and I listened and I listened and I listened. I didn't try and talk. I didn't try and rationalize. I'd see all these other fucking motherfuckers trying to rationalize or explain their side of the story while they're there. It's like, no, I shut my fucking mouth and listened. You got two ears for a reason and one mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Someone told me that. Yeah. That's great. So, so after 60 days, I got out and I'd been looking at that little fucking, you know, there's that cable car that goes to the top of the mountain in Palm Springs. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I think so, yeah. I, I, it, it goes from, from desert level to like, I don't know, 10,000 feet up. Okay. The, from the desert to the fucking forest. And every night I would watch that little red light go up and down and these people like fucking going up and checking. I sat there for 60 days watching that. The second I got out, my friend picked me up. We went there and we drove it up to the top of the forest from oh, the wow. desert. And I did it and I've been sober ever since. Wow. wow. Fuck. Yeah. What, what year, what, yeah, what year was that Nin- exactly? 92. 92. 
Like, yeah. It's fucking Fuck. incredible. And then I man. met you probably about a year and a half after that, two years after that. Fuck, man. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Is it true that people actually sneak drugs into those places? Oh, uh, left and, and try right. to sell them to people or give them to people or Dude, fuck up their yeah, sobriety? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, there's, it, there's, it's, it's supposed to be a safe place, but it can't. Yeah. Well, and it's turned into such a business now that even the safe places, like air quotes, safe places are now actually harboring people doing drugs because they're charging insurances and shit like that. It's like, or what they're doing now, this is a fucking true story. They're paying junkies. We'll give you five grand. Oh, wait. First off, they go, do you have insurance? And they go, yeah, I got insurance through their parents or through whatever. Yeah. Okay, how about if we give you five grand cash now? You go into this rehab for 30 days, and then you can just fuck off. Because what they're doing is they go into this rehab for 30 days. They're still allowed to get high. They get the five grand. These fucking sketchy rehabs are then charging the insurance companies $250,000. Wow, dude. So it's just a fucking sketchy That's business. Yeah. Fine, yeah. Man. There are people that are actively recruiting these people. And I know people that have, I don't know, fallen for it's the right word, but done it. Done it, yeah. That's fucking insane. It's an insurance scam, but they're, they're, they're preying off the junkies. Wow. Yeah. So no no looking back after that. I did the card up and down. That's it. You're fucking. It was tough. Yeah. I was tough. I moved I moved. I moved uh, back in with my mom and dad for, wow. for a couple of weeks. And then I got a little tiny of apartment, was, moved in with somebody I didn't know in Hollywood, spent 250 bucks a month for uh, a room Damn. and went to meetings for a year, just taking the bus. The band still wasn't much. I mean, we would do stuff here and there, Damn. you know. Yeah. Even after white trash, it, it started picking it, up. It's, oh, it's, I, I this, was say, this was this was when yeah. white trash. It's weird. It all kind of came together. I made the ten thousand bucks. Okay, I re- yeah, made the ten thousand bucks. Recorded white trash. Went to rehab. I I recorded white trash. Strung out. I went to rehab wow. the day after the day after I uh, uh, finished the record. So was heavy petting the first one you did. S- no, first one. I, first one I did sober was uh, Punk and Drublick. Punk and Drublick, another Punk banger, man. Right, the, and the, this, the drums are so much more solid on that. Yeah. Damn. So, so then, I start making money. I get sober. I start making money. The record takes off. And like Ooh. it all happened within a year and a half. It's beautiful. Yeah. That's so man. interesting. You say that with the drums. Now that I think about it, wow. Because <laughs> yeah. I listen to both. Obviously, listen to both those records. Yeah. So, it, wow. so it all amazing. unfolded all at once. Timing's amazing. The, yeah, the timing. Yeah. And um, then I didn't have to work anymore. But I still, I, I made off the heavy, uh, off the punk and drublic year, I think I made 30 grand or something like that. Fuck. Not, yeah, something like that. You know, but it yeah. was enough. Are you paying 250 bucks a month? It's fucking yeah. insane. You know, and I bought a car and I started just, you know, kind of living the normal life. New it was life. But I was alone again, again, because mm. those insecurities, I had to cut off all the people that, that fucking were, were my partners. Yeah. You know? And now I'm having to rebuild. And you're rebuild. the only sober guy in the band, too. The sober point. guy in the band. One of the most loneliest moments I've ever had Fuck. in my life is we finally get a bus. This is probably 94. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, 90, that's Punk and Drop, like 94. Yeah. yeah, maybe 93, 94. We finally get a bus, and I'm in my bunk. I'm one of the first bunks behind the front, the front door. Yeah, the I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I could hear everybody in the, in the front lounge partying, you know, and they're talking about me, how proud they are, oh, how man. stoked they are for me. How I'm a great guy and da 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 da. I'm in my lounge hiding from my best friends while they're cheering me on wow. because I couldn't participate and I was uncomfortable being. Was it hard? Super. Tears. Okay. You yeah. know, like hearing these guys that love me tell me how proud they are of me, but I'm hiding just to stay sane and to stay sober, just white knuckling it. Yeah. You know, and they don't know what I'm going through. Fuck, you know, and I, it, it was a fucking tough, tough moment. Holy shit. But they're totally respecting your sobriety. Absolutely. And they're not in your face yeah, about yeah, it. Well, uh, that's a different story. 
It's always been in my face, and it's tough. But I can't tell you how many times I said, Mike. What the fuck are you doing? Show me a little. Re- I show you the respect. Yeah. Of, of not giving you a hard time. Yeah. Don't be fucking doing drug deals in front of yeah. me. It is interesting to hear that that lonely part. Because um, you're on. Yeah. You're yeah. You think friends. about it. And, and yeah. You're with you're with your friends. And but man, there there is a. Uh, and I, I wonder if this is for like everybody that goes through this transition of um, going from you know from doing hard, the hard stuff and to being sober. And I wonder if everyone hits this like oh, yeah. very lonely period yeah. where you're just like oh man and you kind of forced to deal with yourself that's learn thing, about yourself dude. yeah you cut off all that you cut you get rid of all the other access bullshit and you're with yourself you and you don't have that the alcohol or the drugs to numb the feelings yeah. and make you social and be out right, talking to people. right yeah but but now when when you're alone and you're quiet and if you could sit in a room by yourself and be comfortable with it you've done something right yes because you know that means you've you've become comfortable with yourself but until then, though, there's a lot of self-reflection. There's a lot of like diving into mm-hmm. issues. You know, mm-hmm. like you know, it's getting sober isn't just about like stopping the shit. No. That's just that's just what that is. The drugs and alcohol aren't the problem. You're the problem. Yeah. They're, these things are just a sol- not these. <laughs> I just held up a can of water. Liquid death. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're just a, a coping mechanism. Yeah. You know? So you yeah. go back and apologize to everybody. And oh do yeah, it's a and... lonely process, but it's really cathartic and it's really liberating too. To yeah. own your shit feels so fucking good to go like, you know what? I'm sorry with no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people go, I'm sorry, but if you wouldn't, I wouldn't. You know, no, yeah. that's not owning it. Own it, just go. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. it feels good. Yeah. But, so now, like these these records take off. Like I was just thinking, if White Trash, Two Heaps, and the Bean came out now, you guys are getting canceled. Oh, like, for you can sure. name a record that right now to come out this time. But can you, okay, uh, a crazy title. For would it. you get canceled uh, though if you t- called yourself that? No, uh, no, they, but, no. They, but they would, fi- people would find a I'm way to saying, spin it. Yeah, yeah. This, I feel, yeah, I feel like people your would album find titles a way, are incredible but... though. Fuck, man. <laughs> so those two records back to back, the White Trash, White Trash and then Punk and Drubbuck, those are big ones, man. Yeah. That, that kind of bigger well, shows, bigger everything. Yeah. It, it went from, okay, the, it went from what? SM Airlines, we started playing in front of. 60 people mm-hmm. 80 89 people. yeah yeah mm-hmm. and then what was the one after asking my lines ribbed ribbed start playing in front of 200 people and then the longest line okay 250 people like it was just a slow uptick yeah. and then white trash went to 500 people uh punk and Drublick went to 1500 people that was Damn. a big you know what i mean yeah. like i, yeah, I that's, just that's, it was a, it was a, a, a steady climb and yeah. it was like all of a sudden like we're playing these festivals where there's ten thousand people there. Know, you know, we're, we're the them, we're bro. the opening slot, but I mean, it's still like, but still, what the fuck? Still. I'm just a fucking poor kid that just, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's so weird. But then later on, I see you guys headline massive ones in Europe. It's fucking crazy, man. It's weird. It's crazy. And then um, heavy peddings, you always another big one too. Yeah, that was kind of a flopper because was it? Yeah, Mike. Dude, that was a flopper. Well, probably I, not my eyes, but Mike started. Listening. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, Mike started listening to a lot of Weezer at that time. Okay, you uh, know that was when Weezer came out. That, yeah, and they had the real distorted guitars yeah. and tuned down, and you know, and 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 uh, Nirvana had kind of taken off with the oh, that's right. With the just real heavy distorted. You know, but we didn't know anything about keys. So Mike was writing songs in too low of a key. So when he sang it, it sounded all whispery. Mm-hmm. If he would have knocked it up a key, he would have had more aggression. Got you. You know, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so it was just, it was just that was just a learning curve record. Oh, I, me, okay. Are you a big part of the writing process? No. Uh, I mean, Mike writes everything, and then and then uh, I don't even honestly don't even really learn the songs until I get in the studio. Okay. Which sucks. I mean, like <laughs> yeah. I might get I might I might get a little something. 
or we might go into a, a jam room and work out a little something, but no. And how was that first time recording an album with no effects being sober? It was scary as fuck. Mm-hmm. It was weird. Everything I was bet. weird. Everything's different. But it was uh, Punk and Drublick was the first one sober. You said yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, the first two show. The first show. <laughs> the first show we oh yeah playing live sober yeah. yeah yeah the first show playing live sober again we, we played the whiskey this is probably about three weeks after I got out of rehab wow and, and Green Day was opening holy and, shit yeah, yeah this is before this is probably about forty minutes before Green Day <laughs> <laughs> so yeah because that's like ninety three ninety four yeah, yeah so so forty punk, minutes the year punk broke is ninety four yeah so I uh, so uh, oh, you know I'd known the Green Day guys for a while of course and. uh I go backstage and there's Billy Joe and he's kind of like giving me this eye, like this weird fucking eye. Like he's like, huh? Like, what's up, dude? What's up, dude? And he was kind of shy and shying away from me. I'm like, dude, what's up? He's like, man, you just fucking scare me. I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? Evidently, about six months before I got sober, I stole a car, a van. I stole a van. We played Gilman Street and there was a van outside and I don't know if it was running or whatever it is. I took off in it. And I remember this. I took off on it in it. Driving around, smashing up fucking uh, uh, trash cans, and just I just stole a I stole a random van. Jesus! It was Billy Joe, and he was in the back of the van sleeping. Oh my! And so God, he woke up to dude. me going to to he woke up to to being in a van, fucking driving all over the streets of Oakland, just going, "What the fuck?" Holy and it was shit! Me. I stole, dude. So then, when I finally got out of the van in the wherever the fuck I was, I don't know where I was, I kicked one of the doors in. <laughs> Oh my! And he was in there. He was in there, but I was just fucking just shenanigans, just having a good time. You know, it wasn't like oh I was trying to be a fucking criminal. Just and so then the next time I see him is six months or a year later, or whatever it is, and he's just like, "What the fuck?" You know, he hasn't seen me since then, and it was one of those apology moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, that's a perfect moment. Yeah, perfect the, moment. Yeah, and then the holy sec- shit, that is so great. <laughs> yeah. You just you just ran out of the club and just well the, I you know I was drinking a lot and doing a lot of stupid shit and there was a fucking van I you know, I don't remember the details but yeah I guess I just jumped in a van and took off it was, wow, it, it was all organic <laughs> yeah, nothing was planned yeah holy shit so yeah. that's like a sorry moment yeah fuck half ass sorry <laughs> it's incredible that that no effects never signed to a major never give a fuck about radio MTV play I'm sure you guys got radio play I'm sure MTV played some videos but. Always stayed independent. It's amazing. We man. stayed independent. We had a bunch of, like when the year the punk broke, we had some mm-hmm. record- Vultures coming at you from yeah, the Yeah, you know, uh, and in New York City, I remember we were in New York City. We got taken out to dinner by some fucking snobby, big wiggy kind of guy. And we're like, what the fuck? No. Like, mm-hmm. we're like, this isn't who we are. This isn't what we started out to be. No. Love that. No, no, no. And and we didn't do it. And, and we had heard war stories of, um, not war stories. Was yeah, I guess I don't know. Angel label shit. Yeah, like did Rancid do it? No, Rancid was gonna do it. They mm-hmm. did. They came back to Epitaph. Uh, you know, just it's just like no, it's not who we are, and it's not. We're not good looking enough. Mike doesn't sing. I remember this conversation. We're not good looking enough to be a, 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 a like we're not Billy Joe. Billy, Billy, you know, we're not. Mike doesn't sing like him. We're not poppy like that. Yeah. You know, if it doesn't work, we have fucking lost everything that we've earned. Totally. And if it does work. For how long? 30 minutes? And then mm-hmm. we've lost everything that we've earned. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, True. stay yeah. the fucking course, be who we are, and don't play the fucking game. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And you've seen better result from it. Absolutely. Yeah. We played a big MTV festival in Europe at that time, and we made a big fuck MTV banner. I think I remember that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the... But did they put... Um, was Bob on MTV? 
Might have been on like 120 minutes. Like, oh, yeah, like, alternative. Yeah, but it wasn't right. like, like at midnight. Like, but it wasn't like, no, there was, here's no effects. No, but, uh, it wasn't no, no, of no, that no, nature. No, never. No interviews with them. Yeah, that shit. never. Yeah, because sure. so they gave in. I didn't realize uh, M- MTV gave into independent bands that kind of. Well, there was well, a couple that, shows. Yeah, Pinfield did. Yeah, there, there was. Oh, Matt Pinfield. Yeah, that, oh, okay, did he do 120 yeah. minutes? Is that yep, what his show was? Yeah. Yeah, and then. When Ricky Rackman started thinking punk rock is cool, he started playing some punk That's rock video. Right. He cut his hair and started wearing misfit shirts like Metallica. Yo, you know, and, so right. And Motley Crue. Remember when those guys? They were the same fucking dudes who punched me in the mouth for fucking punk. You know, back in the know? day. And then now, fucking ten years later, like oh, punk's they were cool. I'm a punker. Yeah, fucking <laughs> douchebag posers. That was that was straight up thing. Absolutely, dude. Hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. I don't know. Are you friends with the Anthrax guys? They're fucking part of it. Mm. You know, Metallica's. Motley Crue, all these metal bands that were fucking in the 80s, kind of like fucking metal, all of a sudden started getting like f- poser mohawks and wearing fucking misfit shirt, black flag shirts. <laughs> <laughs> it, it did become something, you're right. There were a lot of people doing that. It yeah. Took the turn, yeah. So anyways, so when Ricky Rackman, you know, you know who that guy is? Yeah, yeah. He was yeah, he's so young, bro. I love it. He was Rick, a big MTV VJ. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he owned yeah. a bunch of hair metal fucking clubs in here in Hollywood. Okay. Like the Cat House oh, oh, yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. I know exactly who he is. And then all of a sudden, yes. overnight, all of a sudden, he's fucking, now coming up next, you know? Fucking Rollins Band. Fuck. These guys, I remember I saw them in 1981 with Black. No, you fucking didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't, right? Fucking douche. Well, one more thing. I'm sure he's a sweet guy. <laughs> Did Brett Gerwitz, was he involved in helping you get in rehab too? Is that true or not? Uh no this okay is, well no I mean yes and no okay not the well, it's only one time obviously yeah, yeah. I, I had gone and looked at a couple rehabs okay and, okay and, and they were all fucking like hospitals okay and I was like yeah this is fucking weird yeah, so yeah. Brett had been sober for four or five years at the yes. time so I talked to Brett and Brett goes I got a guy to t- okay this is kind of a cool story tell me I got a guy I love Brett Gerwitz, too. yeah I got a guy who who you should talk to okay and he gave me this guy's phone number and his name his name is Buddy Arnold. Okay. He was probably 65 at the time and a jazz musician. Mm-hmm. And he had just started started up this thing's called MAP. Okay. Musicians Assistance Program. Nice. And this was just in its fledgling year. And I called him up, I'm like, dude, I'm in a bad way. I need rehab. I need a quick, blah, 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 blah. Never met this guy once in my life. 30 minutes later, he calls me back. He goes, I got a place for you. Damn. You know? And he got me in at half price. That $2,500 I paid should have been five grand. Gotcha. So that. I'd never met this guy. That's how recovery works. Yeah. You know, like AA and NA and all that stuff. It's mm-hmm. like people that have been there know what the people need. And, and you know, people helped me. So I help people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a brotherhood. Yeah. So he got me in. And because of that phone call from Brett, from Brett to but, buddy, saved my life. It's amazing. Wow. Man. A person I had never even fucking met. Yeah. It's amazing. Music cares. There's a lot of good shit like that. Now. Music cares. Turned a map turned into music cares. Gotcha. Yeah. Save a lot of my friends actually music cares. A lot yeah. of people know. Yeah. 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 hundred yeah. percent. It's awesome. So I have a question. So what, now you're sober. Now you're fucking the band's blowing up. Are your parents super stoked? Are they like, can't believe this is happening? Or yeah. Like uh, the son is sober and he's success playing music. And Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a sense of pride, yeah. you know, um, me and my dad are kind of getting along a little better. My mom's always been a sweetheart. Yeah. Um, uh, Does it come see you play? Yeah, they would come see me play. Okay. And it was cool. You know, like my dad's always been into music. Fuck, my dad just went and saw Clutch the other night. 
What? Yeah. What? <laughs> Not yet, like six months ago. That's so random. Yeah, he, he goes and sees. He goes, I'm gonna go see this band called Clutch. Wow. Like, That's fucking it's my, wife, my wife's favorite band. Yeah, yeah, Clutch is badass. Badass. You know, and then the next night he'll go see a fucking Puerto Rican band at some weird bar. He still does that to this Damn. day. Wow. You know? But anyway, That's so dope. so yeah, they're going to the shows. Uh, I sense a little bit of animosity from my dad. Yeah, a little bit of jealousy. Like what? Yeah, it's because now I'm doing good and I've proved him wrong in a weird way. Yeah. You know? I fucking love that shit. I'm sorry too, Dad, but I love that shit. Yeah, you know, like, uh, I've proved him wrong and... You're almost forced to prove him wrong in the sense from the very beginning. I don't know, man. I was destined to fail, but mm. I was surviving. You yeah. Know? I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the, any of that. And now all of a sudden, shit's working out. And... And you do music, which he loves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but, um, yeah, things are getting better, slowly but surely. Things are getting better at this time, you know, but it's still a little weird. Yeah. You know? So, like I said, we didn't really mend fences until, well, after I was sober for five years. Like, you know, you do this, you do this, there's a men, uh, you know, apologies, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'd been on that step for a long time and I had one apology left and it was to my dad. Wow. And since we never had that emotional connection, for me to sit down and have an emotional conversation with him is next to fucking impossible. Yeah, like, he's like, supposed to write a letter first or something. Uh, you know, there's different ways of doing okay, it. Like, okay. if, if you don't want to, you know, you can write, you know, write a letter, but... But um, read it to him. I've seen that before. Yeah. So uh, I'm in Hawaii and my dad's in Hawaii and they were out there for like a Christmas. uh, Yeah. A little vacation. I go out there and I'm hanging with them. And so I go to breakfast with my dad. We never do anything alone. You know, go to breakfast with him and I'm like, all right, this is it. And this has been years of me going, okay, I'm going to do it. And then as the words are coming out of my mouth, like suck it back in because I just can't force it or, you know, can't do it. So I finally just go, hey dad, I want to. I just want to apologize, you know, I'm fucking shaking and I just want Damn. to apologize for everything that I put you through and I own everything that I did and it was an easy road and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he got fucking big ass tears in his eyes. Wow. Uh, yeah, wow. big ass tears. In First time I ever seen you down emotional. Yeah, pretty Fuck. much, other than raging. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and I forget what his exact words were, but it was something like, I'm proud of you, you know? What year, what year was this? Uh, that probably was... 98? 98. 99. Wow. You know? That's a huge moment, Yeah, yeah. Big fucking moment. Because it's a huge moment. Yeah, dude. so that cracked a lot of the ice. You know, yeah. just by me. You know, I he never said I love you to me. But then again, I never said I love you to him. Yeah. Right? So this was me kind of just like, you know, dude, let's fucking move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I accept my responsibility. Because, yeah, my dad was a fucking raging asshole to me. But then again, I also had parts to play in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a fucking spazzy kid being doing d- dumb shit, yeah. failing out in school, doing drugs. You know what I mean? There's just always two sides. Mm-hmm. But the, I, I want to say that's almost a reaction the way how you would treat, how, how the, you didn't get that love at home. And that's the way you kind of went and tried to find it some other way. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I, I, I'm not saying you shouldn't take any blame, but it's because you didn't have that right. love. And not, you know what I'm saying? That you oh, I, I, I think that's completely true. Like if you don't get the love at home, you... Go find it somewhere else. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? And you're reacting like that is because you weren't having any communication with your pops in your own fucking, you know what I'm saying, your house. Like yeah, and, and I, I was only getting negative attention, so okay, yeah. I'll get to do something negative. It's attention, and that's yeah. all you want. It didn't yeah. matter, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, being six years old and starving for your dad's attention and not getting it is a fucking sad, lonely place. Well, and Bro. also, to go off what you're saying, when you think about it, Damn, my son yeah, the spoiled, only, only time... No, no, he's not spoiled. He's loved, dude. He's, <laughs> he's loved. loved. Yeah. But, but the only time you're getting attention is when you do something negative. It's like... Yeah, you get called out for this negative thing yeah. that you're doing. So, you're like, that's the only way I get noticed anyway. Yeah. So, 
maybe just lean into this. Yeah, but yeah that's that's working. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I, You know, I it's, think about that, that's how I was. Yeah, it's a survival yeah. skill too. It's mm-hmm. it's like you know, you, you you only know what you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's so. fucking crazy, man. Yeah. So so the band started going, and yeah, there was there was pride, and a little bit of jealousy too. I could see that because at times, like I gave him a Christmas gift once, a real nice Christmas gift, and he just threw it over his shoulder. <laughs> And didn't even fucking say thank you or anything. Wow. You know, and it broke my fucking heart and I left the house. But that being said, he grew up rough. He didn't have it. I know. You yeah. know, there's. It's, it's, You're a so, fucking champion. So I, I, I know. I understand. It's crazy. Like, it broke my heart. I fucking cried on the way home. But now looking back at okay. it, like, he wasn't emotionally equipped, you know? But I, I get that too. And once again, I'm defending your dad. I don't know your dad. Okay, my dad died when I was three. I never had a dad, never had a father figure. And so because of that, I want to be the best dad I could possibly be to give my son shit that I, that I never had. So I'm not saying your dad should have like, I had a fucked up life, so I'm going to give this one. No, but it's embedded in him. I get it. You yeah. Know? yeah, I get but it. But we're not, a, not as everybody as it is as evolved and he's also yeah. grew up Old at school. a time. Yeah. 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 Well, well, that's, you know, gosh, I've just been connecting with the whole, the whole episode. Because he doesn't even you know, know the my, main my, thing my, about my, you. My, my no. stepfather was super abusive. And it took me, and this wasn't even until 2018 or 2019 where I fully realized, I was like, man, he went through crazy shit too. Right. And when you when you find that, it almost takes this like massive weight off your shoulder and you have this empathy. It doesn't make it right. but It, no. does, it, 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 doesn't, no, make it right. it doesn't make it right. It does not make it right. And I'm not saying what... The way my stepfather treated me was, you know, acceptable. But to understand, like, when I think about it, and I don't know if you think of this too, my stepfather didn't didn't get the things that I got. He didn't get to, you know, go through anger management classes the way I did. Right. He didn't get someone to reach out to him, tap him on the shoulder, and say, "Hey, man, things are okay. Why don't you, why don't you come over True. here?" There, he, he yeah. Didn't, he didn't get that. So that's what makes it. But you know, and, and I, it, you know, let me know if this is you too. But when you when you find that it's like oh it lets you sit back and it lets you walk through yeah. life a little bit and sooner. holding on to that resentment and holding on to that anger isn't doing anybody any good. No. And no. when you start like putting a shoe on the other foot, like going like fuck, he's you know, yeah, he shouldn't have and he could have done better and he could have done a way better, but he didn't. He didn't have the tools to even realize that he, he could do tools. better. Uh-huh. You know, it that acceptance. And and letting go of resentment is fucking huge. huge. Uh, it, it's, it's that 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 lead balloon starts coming off you. Yeah. And when you can start accepting somebody for their faults, I'm not saying what they what they you know. I mean, there's people that do not ever deserve acceptance, like you know, just rapists or whatever. Yeah. The hundred percent. But the thing is, my father he had a shitty fucking life, and he was dealt way too much shit that 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 he shouldn't have had to deal with. Yeah. And I got a brunt of a lot of his shit. Mm-hmm. But we're all just trying to do, survive. Do you think he, yeah, do you, you think you, do you think he was just doing what he knew? Like, do you think he, maybe that's what he thought his best was. You ever think, you ever yeah, think anything I, like that of that nature? Uh, I just accepted. I okay. did. I mean, I accepted yeah. and, and I realized that he didn't have it easy. Uh, I, trying not to like go too go too deep because yeah. then I can start getting back into the resentment like well, wait a minute motherfucker you know <laughs> when, when, when your fucking eight year old kid's hiding under the bed from you you, you, you know what I mean it's like yeah. you know there, it's I'm just, just trying to just to move on 
And, yeah. and I um, did a lot of soul searching and a lot of writing and a lot of this and that and therapy and shit like that. And yeah. car- carrying that resentment doesn't do either one of us any good. Oh, hell no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then you become then you become a dad yourself. Fuck yeah. And, and that's I, the most I've, amazing fucking thing. And I've turned into you. Like, <laughs> I spoil the kids with fucking love. Yeah. I, um, I uh, spoil the kids with shit, even mm-hmm. though I shouldn't. And... And all this kind of fucking stuff because it feels good to give them something that I didn't have. So it's taking care of my wounds too. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh wow, it's yeah. taking care of my wounds because I'm giving them the, the support and I'm giving them this, and it makes me feel good. You yeah. know, yeah. so so it makes them feel good. But it, uh, but I'm also like, fuck yeah, that's amazing. I feel good. Yeah, of course, dude. Totally different life that you had. You know, mm-hmm. um, I love it. Yeah, it's fucking beautiful. Becoming a dad, it's incredible, man. Just the feeling. You look at the world differently. Just everything about it is just. Yeah. The different chapters of their ages. And, and it's, yeah, and it's no longer all about you. For, no, for people no. like you and I, like yeah. we're in a band, but it's really easy to be like fucking me, 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 yeah. me. You know, that's not reality. It's not, man. It's the reality is, is being of, of service and of purpose. And totally. the purpose is, is to raise that beautiful young man you got. Thank and my, you. Yeah, and my I mean, kids. Yeah, for sure. And be a good <clears throat> husband and a good, uh, role model. Yeah. Role model and person in life because mm-hmm. it all starts here. Totally, you know, and it's like you if you it's if if you're not a role model for your child, they're gonna find a role model in somebody else. It may not be positive or inspirational or loving, you know, which we have all done. Yep. Yeah, totally. I found Gigi Allen. I found, oh, <laughs> I found Ian McKay and Kevin Seconds. Just and kidding. You know, I'm saying like you found Rollins. Yeah, Rollins changed Rollins. your life. Yeah. It yeah. changed his fucking life. These singers in these bands. Not Gigi like, Allen. That was, a, that was like a joke. their father. They become, <laughs> they become like father figures and shit. Their lyrics, just everything about them. Yeah. Like, and yeah. you can talk to them, so they're not unapproachable. They're human yeah. beings. That's what I love. About punk rock, everybody's equal. Like I've never met and... Kevin or Ian. Wow. I mean, I've been in their presence, but I've never met them. Wow. I mean, we've played with Seven Seconds in 1984 Fuck. in Holy Reno. Shit. Or, Damn. Yeah, in Reno. But he's a sweetheart, man. Fuck. Had him on the pod twice. He's, yeah. he's like a father figure to me. Not he's not even a dad in real life, but just his lyrics. And how, everything. how old is he? Like sixty-ish. About sixty. Yeah. And you never you see Minor Threat before? Oh yeah, I saw Minor Threat in '82 twice. Twice. You know. Yeah, no. Yeah, the, yeah. Damn. I, I saw him at maybe 83 at the T-Bird Roller Rink out in the valley. A roller rink? Yeah. Oh. Well, they only played for like five songs and someone got stabbed and that was the end of the show. Oh my God, dude. It was them, Channel 3, uh, Suicidal in their early years. Wow. Bro. Um, That's all I remember. Did you love East Coast stuff too growing up? When I got that Minor Threat single, I got it right when it came out. It blew me away. Yeah. Blew me away. Uh, East Coast, I never really, like, I never. <sighs> never really fucked with it? No. You wow. know, Mike my, my had Antidote. Mike had Antidote. He had the fucking. Uh, oh, yeah. Mike had all these old singles. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, yeah. Whatever, cool. I did like, um, fuck, uh, the Proletariat. Yeah. I did like, oh, Mar- no, not, not, not Marginal Band. Um, Marginal Band's dope, though. Yeah, that was a little later. Uh, the Oh, Black Market Baby. Great, DC. Dude, I, I got it. Underrated. underrated, you know them. Dude, Black yep. Market Baby, DC, that, that record is fucking good. Underrated DC band. I got a funny story about that drummer. Tell me. So. Great band, dude. 80, yeah. I'm going to say 89, we played DC. Okay. And afterwards, we go to some fucking bar, right? And it's raining outside a small little bar, and the drummer for Black Market Baby is in there. Okay. And I love that record. That record probably came out in 84, maybe. Probably, yeah. You know? So I love that record. So and, and the drumming's really good. So I go in there and I'm fucking wasted. I'm the fucking Mr. Fucking like, what's up? Fucking party. <laughs> fuck yeah. And I go in there and I, I'm like, fuck, you guys are great. You guys are, and, uh, fucking, you're drunk about. And he blows me off. And it offends me. 
I'm like, fuck you, motherfucker. Fuck you. And I, and I started giving him shit. He's like, fuck you. And I'm like, no, fuck you. I'm like, let's go outside and fight. And Holy he, fuck. And, and, and so I fucking call this dude out. And he goes, all right, I'll meet you out there in 30 seconds. So I go out in the rain. And I'm standing in the rain. He turns his back and continues to drink his beer. And I'm like, motherfucker. You fucking stand. I go back in there, poke him, push him. Like, Come on, let's go. Let's, and I call him. Three fucking times this guy fucking punked me, had me go stand out in the rain waiting for him while he had no intentions of going oh out there. Oh, my God, He sent me dude. out there, and I'm just standing in the rain like a fucking dope, getting rained on, <laughs> and he had no intentions of fighting me. He fucking. And you were a fan, too. I was a fan, and he pissed me off. <laughs> Fuck. But then you... again, I was an annoying fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. You know, have you ever dealt, yeah. with, dealt with David Pollock when he's drunk? Yeah, Destiny. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Shout out to Dave Pollock. There we go. Did you see Scream with uh, Dave Grohl? Saw Scream before Dave Grohl. Mm, I think I did too. I see him wow. a couple of different drummers. Yeah. yeah so. Oh, uh, no, I didn't. no. Okay. No, I thought we could play with him, but no. Uh, but I'm, you like the DC shit, though. Yeah. I, oh, like. the, the the Scream record when that came out blew me away. Amazing. Blew me this away. This side up and still screaming. Amazing yeah. records, yeah. man. Underrated. And I think we played with Scream with Dave Grohl in maybe like ninety, maybe okay. in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or something. Damn. Maybe. So what what do you think what do you think you credit to the longevity of No Effects? Fun, because we never had any expectations. We just played to play. I see it all the time. Bands I love that, that. P- bands that expect to get big. When that doesn't fucking happen, you're let down. And when you're let 100%. down, you're not having fun. Yeah. You know, we always took it we, we, when we put our first single out. No, when we played our first show, fuck, we played a show. Played our first show, you know, an hour from Hollywood. Fuck, we played out of town. Put our <laughs> f- put our first single out. Fuck, we, you know, everything was a win. Yeah, everything was like, you know, and so then it just gradually went to Europe the first time an idiot. I'm like, can you fucking believe we're in Europe? What the fuck? So it's just been that all the way through. And you guys love each other. You're like dysfunctional brothers, and that's what bands are. We're families. Like I, me and Melvin, like Tessin last night. Love you, buddy. You know. Yeah. You know, me and Mike. You know, we're good friends. I don't always agree with everything he has to say. (laughs) You know, but I respect the fuck out of him, and I love him like a fucking brother. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, Melvin and I are super close. Me and Hefe are super close. Yeah, and you're like, and being sober in that band too, it's such a party band. Maybe not so much now, but staying sober during that must have been crazy, man. It was pretty hard, but I had my fucking head on straight because I knew what I wanted out of life and I was listening to that that voice in my heart. Yeah. You know, because I, you know, if if I was to start drinking again, it's, you know, I'm still the same person. Yeah. I still have the same wounds. I've dealt with them, but they're still there. Mm-hmm. The end result would be the same. Yeah. And did the, and did the guys are more sober th- these years? Slowly, Melvin is definitely. Yeah, yeah. Mike uh, had a pretty good stint of sobriety. Now he's starting to drink again. Yeah, you know, it worries me. Yeah, you know, but he's an adult, and as long as it doesn't fuck shit up and he doesn't turn into uh, a fucking raging asshole, I'm cool with it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not cool with it. It worries me, but you know, he's an adult. Yeah, and being sober for so long too, and your perspective is different on life, and and also and having the guys in your band and being your brothers and see them going up and down with the stuff. So it's probably hard not to like. Oh you yeah. want to just really just well like not give an ultimatum because no no yeah. no it, it gets very chaotic when mike's up and down yeah emotionally because when you're drinking and doing stuff like you're on an emotional roller coaster and it gets yeah. very chaotic because he um he's a very emotional person yeah so i be- learned that for better or for worse you know what i mean like yeah. he'll have tantrums or he'll be very passionate about talking about you know whatever it is so it leads for an uneasy feeling at times for mm-hmm. me you know yeah. i can't speak for everybody but i'm just saying for me so yes, it worries me. Uh, I love him and I'm here for him. If if I'm not saying there is a problem right now, yeah. But if it, if there ever is becomes a problem, so you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And I love that you're going back to your roots because I know you were surfing growing up, but now you have pickle sticks. 
which you like customizing boards and stuff. My son was telling me all about your shit, but I didn't even know it was you. I think I might hit you up back because you guys just talked. He's a big time surfer, but like, Dude, like kind I'll, of full I'll, circle. I'll set you up. That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Just coming full circle. Now you're making surfboards and stuff. And you did that. You really started doing that a lot during the pandemic. Yeah. I, I've been doing it for, I've been surfing for as long as I've been sober. Like, okay. like I moved, uh, I moved to the beach about a year after I got sober. And then I was like, fuck, I can start surfing. You know? And you never did any surfing before well, I tried it. You know, I grew up in Southern California. Yeah. Like the surfing lifestyle, the skating lifestyle, yeah. I tried it. But surfing's not one of those things where you try it and you get it. No, The man. learning curve is very, very steep. Yeah, I've mm. tried, yes. You know, very steep. It's very hard. Way different than skating. Right. Skating, like, you know, I mean, skating's still, it's different, you know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I moved, I moved to the beach, you know, 27, 28 years ago, no, 29 years ago. And then, so that's my dream, by the way, like after whatever is retirement, sell this crib and be by the ocean. I love the, I love being by there. Yeah. And I, and I I fell in love with the ocean during the pandemic when my son started serving. I never fucked with the ocean, lived for 18 years. I was like a little sand beach. And then I started going and trying to learn how to serve for my son. It's just beautiful. It's It's just fucking at one with mother nature and using mother nature to harness your fun. And it's just this weird, I don't know. It's It's hard to explain because people think, oh, hippy dippy shit. But there's a connection. When I stood on my board for the first time and I rode my first wave a year and a half ago, I was like, holy fuck. This is like. It's weird. Like it it is hippy dippy shit. But you're feeling (laughs) the earth fucking propel you. you And you're you're floating. You're doing, you're fucking motherfucking Jesus. You're walking on water. Because you you control your skateboard and doing the trick you want to do. But when I was on the board, it, it was taking me where it wanted to take me. Right. And I'm just there. The thing about skating is the elements. Let's say you go to the same skate park every day. The elements pretty much exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? I, yeah. yeah, it might be wetter. It might be stickier. This, that, But the elements are the same. Surfing, there's all of this shit. Wind and swell and tides and all this shit that come into play that when it all comes together, it creates a magical moment. Yes. Because it all has to come together. And if you happen to catch it, it is fucking like... So euphoric. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not like you're up to the skate park. And, okay, there's the fucking curb that I've, you know, I did a fucking Smith grant 400 times yesterday. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? It's different every time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I started, so anyway, so I started surf, surfing like 29 years ago and then 13 years ago. It's same with music. It's like music. I loved listening to it. So why not try and play it? Yeah. Surfing. I love surfing. And I noticed that the boards were like a craft. There was a craft behind building it. It's like. Fuck! I'm gonna try and build some boards, mm. and so plus you worked at a wood shop or something, right? Yeah, when I was a kid, there and plus go. my dad being like super blue collar, yeah, I was really good with tools. Always, like my dad would take me to work with him, and like so you're right. a handyman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've always been like good with like construction. Yeah. Um. So I uh, just started building them. I just started just just figuring it out, and then now fast forward 13 years for the last two years, other than the job, it's been a full time job. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've made hundreds. I've made probably four or five hundred boards. Holy fuck! Yeah. I love it. And you Absolutely. love it. I was at my shop this morning. I mean, shop. And it's, it's your it's, business. You started it. Yeah, it's yeah. It's. I mean, I don't know if it, I, get, I don't know if business is the right word. It's yeah. It's, it's something I do, and I sell boards to people that like to surf or yeah, want yeah, boards. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I guess it's a business, but it doesn't really make any money. It's more of a passion. Yeah, and you got the boxing gym, Long Beach United, with, with Doug, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. an awesome gym. Yeah. yeah, that that's going well, and I and and where I shape surfboards is in a one car garage behind it, so it's all on the same oh, property. Shit. Oh, perfect. perfect. Yeah, so You're I hang right out there. with Doug, and then I go into the gym, and then and go you get boxed? coffee. Yeah, I boxed. Yeah, you know, but I did jujitsu mainly. Okay, for a long time, and then uh, now that my back isn't so young anymore, it's, mm-hmm. it's just hard to do all that shit. Yeah, but I think surfing. I think you could surf. It doesn't matter how old you are, really. Just being out there. Yeah, it, see it, some it, old cats, uh, old dogs, old dogs, <laughs> old dogs. Yeah, <laughs> as your son says, <laughs> yeah, calls you an old dog. Old I love dog. seeing the old guy shredding out there, yeah, dude. It's 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 one of those things you can't walk away from it, man. Like like there's there's dudes like where I live, like you see like. 
85 year old dudes whether they're catching waves or not they're out there floating around paddling and it's just it just feels good it's refreshing it's cleansing yeah yeah it's one of those things unless you've done it or have any interest it's it's hard to explain it really is i tried to get he hates the beach man took the fuck's wrong with you oh you grew up in arizona that's the problem yeah it's so boring to me (laughs) (laughs) every time i go there i can see you like boogie boarding or some shit i tried that you did yeah i tried it in huntington and how'd you do a lifeguard had to come get me <laughs> are you fucking serious yeah bro? I was getting caught in a riptide and I never I didn't know what the fuck it was it was really? my first time swimming in the ocean I was just like it's a different motherfucker the ocean will fucking yeah, spank you I know yeah it happened to Adam Blake once he got sucked down really bad and he doesn't really fuck with the ocean no more he doesn't go in deep but he wasn't trying to surf yeah, and get sucked yeah, under there though. I'll still go in the water I mean it didn't like sharks and shit PTSD yeah, you know cause I didn't know what the hell I was I got, in I got stung by a stingray two weeks ago oh you really? did motherfucker hurt man I bet. Holy fuck. Yeah, yeah. Hey, do you remember the show we played with Sick of It All? There's there's a lake that we played a bunch of times with with Sick of It All. And yeah. you guys in H2O. It's a festival or something? Yeah, it's no. a festival. It's like a weird punk rock festival on a hillside, and there's a lake behind. We all yeah, go swimming in the lake and all that kind of shit. Or, yeah. yeah, but I remember one of the Sick of It All guys tried swimming out to a, uh, uh, a dock and okay. almost fucking drowned. And I want to say it was. Holy I want to say it was maybe Lou. Okay. Do you remember that? I kind of remember pretty that. pretty sure you were either working with him or you guys were playing the show. Yeah, I, I might remember that. Holy fuck. Did you save him? No, it wasn't okay. me. I think Eric <laughs> Melvin did. Eric Melvin was a lifeguard when he was a kid. Oh, shit. Yeah. Holy shit. I think you and I had a nice talk about Adam that night. Remember you and I had a talk about Adam and his drinking? And one yeah. of the, I think it was there. Okay. But anyway. Wait, yeah. did, y'all, did y'all meet when you were a roadie? Or I met him back you then, were but H- I do remember H-O. putting a scar on your arm because we smashed bottles. I still got it. Yeah, and right a piece there. of glass I smashed, it went into his arm. Yeah, we were just fucking being jackets. What the fuck was that at? I don't know. That it was, was a Civ tour. It was a Civ tour. It was at some weird squat. I remember the place. Breaking shit. Yeah, and we were playing baseball with bottles and a pipe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you were pitching and I was batting, and I hit the fucking bottle, and it shattered, and a fucking shard of glass went brink right into my arm. It stuck. Yeah, dude. I mean, it was tiny. That was early 90s. Yeah, but still. Yeah. yeah, but it was kind of fun. I mean, I still got the scar. Holy it's, shit, it's man. faded, but right there. I wow. always love the connection, though, like with Rancid, No Effects, Pennywise, and then Sick of It All, and like the East Coast. Yeah. yeah. There wasn't any bands, because then they got, that was like the New York kind of connection, I think, for like the West Coast bands back yeah. then, right? Yeah, that that makes sense. We were all, we're all around the same age. We all started around the same time, you know? Yeah. We had an issue with... Uh, because we did that song, The Bruise, you know, about the fucking Jewish skinheads. Yeah. Okay. And we were playing CBGB's one time. And, and and Jimmy Gestapo comes in and he's like, look, dude, I got to tell you, you don't want to go outside right now. There's some fucking skinheads out there that don't want to fucking kill you. I don't know. Like, they were offended oh, by it. What year was that? 80s? No. It no, was The, the Bruise. So the, it was like 93, maybe. Okay. No, no, no you know that song? 94. Yeah, that's off uh, Punk and Drumlin. Yeah, oh, 94, that, that, maybe. That's the song, I th- when you were talking about the drums, that's like the okay, song I bad. think of where yeah. the drums were yeah. like really, really. Jimmy had to go out there and with the fucking skinheads. I don't know if they're racist skinheads or if they thought we were making fun of skinheads or some of his fucking crew or whatever it is. He had to go fucking squash it to where I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. What Holy the shit. fuck? But he actually came and he's like, yeah, why don't you stay inside for a while? I got some people to talk to about not killing you. Are you guys freaking out a little bit? A little nervous. Yeah, you know? because <laughs> yeah of course. Those yeah. fucking New York guys have a little bit of an attitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Fucking assholes. Holy With all the love in the world. I wonder if they were, because you, yeah, you say sport and anti-swastika tattoo. I don't know. Oh, yeah, we're the crew. Okay, no, that song. Yeah, so they, I don't know. They were fucking pissed about something. Wow. We weren't skinhead. And Gustavo got them to leave? Of course he did. He's the Jimmy mayor. did something like He's he fucking talked it down, and like, and then he came in like Tim and said, "Oh, it's all good. They're gone, man. You're good. Let's go get some pizza." You know? Oh, okay. That's amazing. Yeah, I could see Jimmy totally doing that. Um, and you, <laughs> you, did you take a surf trip to Indonesia? Yeah, I did. 
It was amazing. It was fucking amazing. Because my son's that's his dream. Talks about Indonesia. Was, I mean, I quickly learned that the surf was way above my my ability. I'm mm. I'm. What year was that? Two thousand seven. Okay. So I'm I'm like the average guy in Huntington, like the average guy. Yeah. Out there, you got to be on your top game. I mean, it's super shallow reefs and scary and fucking really powerful and all this stuff. But what was amazing about it? It was me and our guitar tech Rugly on a little boat, just the two of us. Just going island to island to island, going into these little fucking villages, wow. little tiny fucking villages yeah. where there's like 40 people living, you know, raising water buffalo for a living and, and cutting rice, you know, and and not really seen white people or not that much. And, you know, and it was just like so such a step back into time and really appreciate different cultures and the simplicity of I'm born and raised in the city, man. It's hustle, bustle, everything's go, 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 yeah. go. Just the fact to turn off, step back, and be present was so fucking beautiful. And seeing these people live that, it's just like, yeah. there's something to be said about that, man. The mm -hmm. simplicity of life. Yeah. It doesn't need to be what we've created. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find that when I go to different countries, too. When I first went to Japan for the first time, or South America was sick of it all in 91. You see how different, that, that's what I love about traveling and being a roadie and being in the bands and seeing different cultures. Mm -hmm. and, especially at a young age, too, like going sick of it like 89 or something. Yeah, it really opens your eyes. Yeah. Really opens your eyes. I think it's something a more incredible experience, and not saying not to go to college, but I didn't go to college, so I had the option to go travel and do that. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, at college these days doesn't get you shit besides a lot in debt. I mean, yeah, you got a little mm. fucking thing, but but you're come out two hundred fifty grand in debt, and you know it's fucking weird. It's, it is, and now you can't even get a minimum wage, wage job with you know minimum yeah. wage was made for people with high school diplomas where you can get out, come out, and get a job and, and live a suburban lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what it was established for. Now it's like if you get a call, go to college, you get out, and you and you, ha you have pretty much have to have a college degree to work at Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. it's fucking bonkers. Are, are your kids into surfing and music? Um, yeah, my uh, youngest son, he's eighteen, just moved to Mammoth. Oh, he's working there for the season, shredding snowboarder. Wow, shredding snowboarder, awesome. M moved him up there like three weeks ago. And how is that when they because have this whole thing about leaving the nest syndrome? Oh, uh, dude, we got empty nest now. Okay, empty nest syndrome. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking cool. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking rad, dude. It wasn't hard. Uh, my daughter's twenty four. She moved out when she was seventeen. Okay, so mm -hmm. she's gone. My, but you have the connection. Yeah, yeah. That's the the daughter that I adopted. My son yep. is twenty. He still lives in the house, but he's gone ninety five percent of the time. You yeah. know, he's at his girlfriend's. He's with his, with yeah. his buddies. And then it's Max too. Yeah. yeah. And then my my youngest son, who's eighteen, like I said three weeks ago, moved out and um. It's nice having an empty, quiet house. Okay. It's really cool. And when I took him to, like, I took him to Mammoth and dropped him off, and I can't even tell you the sense of pride and tears in my eyes, and I give him a big hug. I'm like, I'm so fucking proud of you, oh, dude. Yeah. And I had, I gave him the speech, like, it's going to get hard. You're going to get lonely. Work is not, you know, he's working in the snow. Uh, you know, yeah. You're not used to this. I go, there's going to be times when you're going to want to fucking throw it in, but see it through. Because you will regret throwing it in. You won't regret seeing it through. Yeah. And the big I love you and hug and I love yeah. you back, Dad. And, you know, it's, yeah. it was beautiful. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. Then So then you had, then now it's just you and your lady like it was before you had kids. You know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah. It's like another chapter, right? Yeah. It is nice. It's like, quiet. Yeah, it's quiet. It's cool. It's, you know, getting to know each other on a, uh, back on a different level. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's something too. Interesting. You know, it's you, you cock rocking kids gone. He moved out. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Oh, Little God. motherfucker. There was one time. Jesus there Christ. was one time when the youngest was about eight. No, it might have been my daughter. She was probably about 14. We were doing a little morning boning on, on the weekend. <laughs> and they just walked, and my wife was on top, and they just walked straight into the into the room. 
And and I'm like, lay down. She's like, try getting off me. I go, don't don't get off because it's gonna look fucking suspicious. Oh Just God. lay on me like we're hugging. And so the kid came in. And we had this long conversation with my dick right inside my wife. Oh, my God, <laughs> you know, Because bro. if she would have rolled off real quick, it would have looked obvious. It looked, it looked yeah, it looked like yeah, we were yeah. just snuggling. And I still yeah. oh, shit. Right up on in there. That's fucking amazing, yeah, man. That's so funny. So if, you do, if, if you, we can walk around naked now, I don't have to worry about any of that shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's nobody in the house. There's no fucking... It's pretty cool, man. So now you guys have a new record you're working on? Yeah. And when's yeah. that kind of come out? I have no fucking idea. Okay. The last one took two years to come out. I don't okay. know. <laughs> you know. I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm just recording a song here and there. I, you know, I don't really. I've recorded probably eight songs so far. I think Mike wants to record like 25 and then whittle it down. Damn. You know. Old school shit. Yeah. He, but what he does is he doesn't. He doesn't like write songs and go like, and we get together and work it out and go here's a song. It's evolving constantly. Yeah. So I'll do the fucking drums and then, oh, it changed. We got to do this. We got to do that. You know, and it's just like, fuck, dude. It's always been like this or different now? It's getting worse now that he's figured out that there's this thing called Pro Tools where he can re-record and re-record and switch shit around okay. and move shit around. Uh, you know, before it was just like, here's the song. You know, like mm -hmm. when we did White Trash, he had the 12 songs written and they were pretty much written. Yeah. You know, and I learned them like two days before we went in the studio and you did them. And that's okay. when I got that conversation. You know, mm -hmm. like, get your shit together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's getting worse and a little more frustrating because, you know, like he's writing the song. I'm like, well, dude, what's what's the bass doing? What's the vocals doing? I those are my cues when to act. Yeah. Not, he goes, I haven't written them yet. I'm like, well, then, how am I supposed to know what to play other than just being a drum machine and just supplying a boom, bap, boom, bap, boom, yeah. with with any kind of feel? Yeah, you know. So it's it's a it's a little frustrating, mm -hmm. but you know, it is what it is. Um, you seem like a person that has no regrets. I don't. Like you made amends with everything and move forward and... You know, um, if... I mean, if if that crazy bad shit didn't happen, if my childhood wasn't the way it was, if the good shit didn't happen, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I mean, I know it sounds... 100%. It sounds fucking cliche. No, it's real. But man. I'm pretty fucking comfortable. Yeah. I'm pretty fucking comfortable, you know? And you seem like an optimistic person. Yeah, I am. I mean, it's weird. I'm not a pessimist. I don't have expectations, but... Um, but I I, uh, I see the good in things. Yeah. You know, I, I, I really do. You know? Yeah. You've been through so many fucking ups and downs and dark places. And yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing. You know, journey, it's, man. It's, it's not easy. It wasn't easy, but it was good. Even the bad was good. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of fucking weird to say because because if that shit didn't happen to me, then I wouldn't be the dad I am now. And all yeah. this fucking stuff. You know, yeah. circular hippie bullshit. Something to learn <laughs> from all of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's if you don't learn from the mistakes and other people's mistakes, that's where the where the where the travesty is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, is surfing like every day part of your life now? Pretty much. If it's not surfing, it's making boards or something to do with it. Like, you know, uh, like yesterday I surfed and made a board. Today, before I came here, I went and went to the did some shit at the shop. You know, and it's yeah, just, yeah. It's 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 an everyday deal. And then what about drums? You try to jam on your drums a lot or not? Occasionally. You know, like, I'll play for like 10 minutes a day. I mean, I know it's not much, but <laughs> I'll, I'll hear something. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be listening to fucking KFI or, and I'll hear a commercial. I'll go, oh, that's kind of cool and go try and figure it out. Or, yeah. You know, this fucking Instagram bullshit. Like, I, did, I never did Instagram until I started doing the boards. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, now I have to platform to show it off. And then you get fucking sucked into this vortex of going, oh, boobs. Oh, fucking cool cool wave. Oh, fucking rad drummer. Oh, more boobs. Yeah, and then a fucking, oh, another rad drummer. It's a dark hole. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, dark it's, hole. it's easy to fucking get sucked in. But what I've done is there's some fucking, there's goddamn rippers out there. Oh, yeah. And so I see something a kid does and I go like, most of it I can't even comprehend. But every once in a while, I'm like, oh, cool. And then I'll save that video and then I'll go try and learn that. Oh, okay. You know, that's, so other than looking at boobs and selling surfboards, 
I've, that's what Instagram's done for me is, is help me learn little stupid drum things. That's amazing. Fuck, there's a lot of boobs. Yeah, Instagram's an interesting world, yeah. I feel bad for those girls in a weird way because they're craving for attention so much like how I was craving for attention. Mm. And they're just doing it through right. a different way. Yeah, they yeah. didn't have that yeah. grown up to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fucking interesting time, especially having kids and having social media and all yeah. that stuff. And It's fucking weird. Trying to keep them. Does your kid spend way too much time on social media? He does and he doesn't. He he's never played video games. He's always been a skateboarder, and now he's a surfer. He's always outside doing shit. Yeah, Good. but I feel like he's one of those kids that's just he'll go outside. He does a lot. I mean, his whole life is surfing, but yeah, he's on his phone, selfies, talking to Snapchat, doing all this right, TikTok right, shit. Right, right. But he's, he's he's a good it, kid. He's just you know. Well, see, the, that's good because this is this is with with I've noticed with the youth these days. When we were kids, we had to entertain ourselves. Yeah. You had to go outside and skateboard. You had to go outside, ride a bike, or throw rocks at a cat, or whatever it may be. <laughs> right? You had to entertain something, yourself. Something. You had to go out and entertain yourself. Yeah. Now, they have something in their hand that entertains them. Yeah. So without that, they don't know what the fuck to do. It's true. Because they don't know how to fucking just kill the time by themselves. Yeah. They need something to tell them, like, oh, okay, boobs. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, more boobs. Yeah. You know? You can you can you can look find anything on your phone Fuck at yeah. any time of the day. Mm-hmm. It's like unless the kid has restrictions or there's like some parental shit on there when they're young. I don't know. It's hard, man. Yeah, it's, just, yeah, yeah. it's just such a different world. Yeah. So fast forward. I mean, I know this has fucking been gone through the fucking the theoretical fucking swirly bird a lot. But what are the, what's the youth or or the adulthood going to be like in seventy five years when you got computing machines telling you what to do all the time and you're always staring at a screen. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I want. I want to see what kind of damage we've done to our eyes. You can't really tell right now. It's too soon. Like with phones no, it, and it's, everything. It's and your brain are, and dude. Have you heard about that? What's it called? Computer shoulders or computer slump? Yeah. Like yeah. we are evolving into something else. Right. No, we're and trying I'm to like, straighten up yeah. right now. <laughs> all of us. All three of us. Are, <laughs> You're right. You know. No, it's a thing. Like you know, we we might be evolving into some weird fucking goddamn. I don't know. Computer. Everybody hunched over walking like cavemen on their phones. Yeah. They see, you see them through the city and stuff like that, but. It's great because it's such a great tool to promote great things, but it's also just it's, we're all, everybody's every single person's addicted to it, man. Yeah. It's fucking. I'm totally insane. guilty. Yeah, totally guilty, dude. It's weird. Like me and my wife kind of got in an argument the other night. She <laughs> she came home from work, and we're talking, and I was doing something on the computing machine, and and we're talking. Marv hates that shit, man. Yeah, and I look down for a second. And I look up, and she's like, "What? You can't even. You don't even have enough respect for me to look me down when we're talking. <laughs> I've been all day fucking working, and you yeah. come home and you want to." And I literally was just like, "You know, ADD. Just I had nothing it's to do." It's that one second, though, bro. And it, but it, I was totally paying attention to her. But then you know what happens is so she's pissed off. The next day we're talking. What does she do? She looks at her phone while we're talking. Mm. I am not going to say a goddamn word. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You know. So, yeah. so she's giving me shit for being addicted to a machine. But, yeah, you know, there it is. Yeah, you that's know? hilarious. Fuck me. So anything I was gonna say anything out of the lockdown positive, but I would, I would say yeah, you're surfing. All the stuff you're doing starting the pandemic. Yeah, like you started hustling, really focusing. Yeah, on that. It, it, what it did it, it gave me a real fucking slap of reality. Mm. I wasn't ready to financially or emotionally ready to be retired. Yeah, you know, and overnight all of a sudden it's like okay, something that I do that I love that actually affords me my lifestyle. Is gone and might not ever come back. Scary. It was a kick in the fucking balls overnight. Yeah. Scary. So I was like, I got to do something. It's like, I don't want to touch my savings. Dude, all this shit. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, tell something to you guys that I've never told anybody. Let's hear it. Because. And the whole world too. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's about giving back and it's about being um, uh, productive and um, contributing. When the world went into lockdown, I started doing this uh, uh, grocery getter thing. Okay. Because. I'll bring it to people who can't leave their houses. Yeah, but it wasn't just that. It was so I can make a living. So it wasn't that I needed it. 
it was to show my wife, dude, if she came home, she has a fucking big high power job. Okay. She comes home three weeks into the thing. What if I'm just sitting on my ass watching TV, scratching my balls and go, fuck, I just missed the, you just seen this fucking dude on TV. You know, I have to contribute in the family. I have to contribute in society. I have to contribute to the world. So I was delivering groceries to ladies that need help, people that don't want to leave and making a hundred bucks a day, you know, line my pockets with a little bit. I, I don't need the hundred bucks, but it helps. Yeah. Those people need their groceries and I need to show my wife that I'm willing to participate in the world. It's just, yeah. You know, wow, and it was fucking so beautiful. fucking humbling and it felt so fucking good yeah. to check my ego and go, I'm going to deliver groceries, you know? So you just go, they send you a list, you go shopping, you bring it to them, put them on the You get it on the shop. app, you get it yeah. on the app and then you go, okay, this person needs fucking blah, 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 blah. I'll make fucking 14 bucks and it's going to take me 20 minutes. Wow. You know? That's fucking amazing. So because cool. I didn't know if I was going to be out of a job. I mean, I got a good little savings, but it's nothing. Yeah. But I don't want to dip into it. And, nah, you know, no. and those people needed help. My wife needed to see that I, that I was involved. Yeah, I stepped up. Yeah. And it felt fucking good. Holy shit. I've never told anybody that because of, yeah, they don't need to know. But you know what? Maybe they do. It's, it's amazing. I am not above work and nobody is. I am not above the person that needs the groceries and nobody is. Yeah. That's, yeah. I that's, got fucking lucky in life. Yeah. That's fucking amazing, bro. Yeah. How long did you do that for? Like six months. Wow. And then I said, ah, fuck it. I'm going to start making surfboards. There's <laughs> <laughs> more money in it. No, but that's still sick. That's so fucking yeah, crazy, that's, that's man. Yeah, that's still fucking. I did it. I did it five days a week. Was that in the middle of the pandemic, too? This it was, was the, super strict. The first six months. Wow. And it was fucking creepy. I was wearing gloves and a mask and Dropping. goggles. And yeah. It was fucking creepy. Holy shit. And even going to grocery stores at that time, I was double mask, gloves, all that shit. Yeah, and they had the arrows. Arrows like, you can only walk this way. Like, that's going to make a difference. I know. (laughs) You know? (laughs) If they pass you, their germs are going to get you. But if you're following them and their germs trailing off, we'll fuck with you. They they were just winging that shit every day. Every day there was new rules. I feel like they were just like, let's try this. It was so hard to follow, man. Yeah, so anyways, yeah. That's so cool you did that, man. It's beautiful, man. It felt good, man. It felt good. Yeah, and now you're making surfboards, which must feel amazing making these yeah, it's fucking cool. It feels good. It does. You know, uh, and the company's doing really. It's just almost. I just. I don't know. I feel like it's doing really well. It is. I'm. I'm making surfboards every day and um, communicating with people every day, talking yeah. on the phone and and people if they if they if they order a board for me and and they're from out of town and they in or even if they're from town when they come pick it up I'll go surfing with them yeah. and you know and I made some fucking cool and where cool is friends. that located where is that Long Beach okay yeah but I mean I surf Huntington Beach which is 15 minutes yeah know? my son goes there too yeah Yeah. you guys gotta surf together for sure yeah he said he's going down there tomorrow so I mean give him my number and, he, and, yeah. and if I'm down yeah you know fuck man I think I got all my notes with you I think we do, talked about everything man let me see what else I got in here you don't have any top you have any top inspirations as far as musical artists or people that bands that change your life or anything like that you know what I'll tell you one one that I think that has never gotten the the, oh, due re- the due respect that they've gotten should have gotten and are fucking amazing. Okay, the Ruts. Okay, ha- have you heard the Ruts? The crack? you probably did because he's a deep dive punk rocker. Okay, <laughs> have you? I heard the name, but yeah, I heard okay. the name. I never do heard this. Name. The record's called The Crack. Okay, and it came out in '78 or something like that. It is so far beyond so good. It's the Clash meets meets punk rock meets aggre- aggressive in your face shit. So fucking the, sing, the singer died of uh, heroin in seventy nine or eighty. Oh shit! He was like twenty six or something like that. Um, the Ruts, the Crack. That okay. record is so fucking good and underrated. Yeah. I don't even know if it's rated. It's like, okay. like <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. It's like beyond. It, it's, yeah. it's below that. Okay. It's so Damn. fucking good. Yeah. You ever heard of the Asexuals? I've heard of them. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I just yeah they're Canada. Uh, yeah, they were kind of like a late eighties band. 
Yeah, I had I had Patty Shemmel on my podcast last week, and she texted me today a picture of the record. She she's on the podcast. She thinks that they could have been the first pop punk band. Because yeah. I, I always think Ramones. We talked about Ramones, but also Descendants had super pop melodies. Yeah. Descendants, yeah. But nobody I, nobody talks about the Asexuals as yeah. well. It's another band. Yeah, I, I I remember the name. I don't know much about them. It's a good name. Are you more mm. of a melody guy? For like punk and stuff like that? No, I'm more aggressive. Mm. Yeah, I'm more like, I like riffs. I like heavy. I like hard. Yeah. You know? Um, uh, Mike's a melody guy. Yeah. You know, I like riffy. Okay. Yeah. That's what I like. Yeah. Heavy shit. That's what attracted me to punk rock. This volatility, this anger, this fucking in your face. This in your face. You don't know what the fuck's going to happen. Not this, don't get me wrong. I love Descendants. <laughs> I got the first single when it came out. I got Milo Goes to College when it came out. Those two fucking records kill it. Fire. After that, it just got so like soft and girlfriendy, too, too poppy for you. Yeah, yeah, and then I was like, Ugh. and that's kind of like, like I really liked um, um, uh, Minor Threat when they first came out because it was in your face. Mm-hmm. But then that straight edge thing, like five, six, seven, eight, nine years later, got so fraternity ish. So like, bro, that's we're just fucking love, which is love. The you youth know? crew stuff, yeah, yeah. That it, that it kind of like lost its anger and its aggression and its 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 my my. Um, I know what you're saying. My angst. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm no, 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 it just didn't. Did you like Youth It Today? They were pretty hard, though. Uh, I had sold it off by then, okay. written it off. I know that we played with Youth It Today, and I was deep into my shit, mm. and we played with them a couple times, and I showed up just being a raging asshole. Okay. Like being that guy. <laughs> Fuck you, you know? <laughs> I, 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 you know, fucking fuck beers, fuck you, pussies, you know? Which yeah, I yeah. know is completely the wrong. It's not cool. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but it was me with my insecurities projecting it on, you know, mm. whatever. But, um, Fuck. but I like heavy, just, you know, like fast and heavy. Yeah. You listen to new things too? Not really. The mo- it, yeah. The, the, one of the most, the newest records, even though it's probably three years old now that, that I got that blew me away is Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. Okay. He's a great front man too, man. Fuck it. When the Gallows yeah. came out. Okay. When I first when the Gallows, remember the Gallows? Mm. You love English, England, bro. Yeah. English you hardcore it, band dude. slash mixed with a little bit of Gallows. Techno's the word, but they had some loops and shit yeah, at times. You like they're fucking great and great live. Yeah, uh, the singer's one of those singers that great front is captivating. You see him and you're like you're a natural. Oh yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. Um, so when 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 he quit the Gallows, I was bombed. Mm, that's right. You know, um, I pursued the tattoo thing, and then I don't know what what made me stumble across Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. And I bought this record called Modern Ruin. Have you heard that? No. Dude. I've seen them live. They're awesome. Dude, yeah. Modern Ruin is so fucking good. Okay. I haven't heard anything since then. Okay. But um, that one really fucking just, fuck yeah. Okay. And then the Bronx, when the Bronx came out, Badass. fuck yeah. Because yeah. it's new. It's in your face. It's aggressive. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, Bronx the West right. Coast thing has turned into a sound. And the East Coast thing has turned into a sound. Like, this shit is fucking original. Yeah. Yeah, now, yeah. I feel like now it's like, the Bronx is shit. You, you can't tell where... You know, bands. Yeah, I, I'm going to suggest you check out this band called Turnstile. Okay. Have you heard about them at all? I've heard the name, but I don't the know anything East about East Coast, them. yeah. Okay. They might not be hard enough. <laughs> I was just thinking about yeah, it. They have, they have so much again. melody, they but they're so... No, I like, them, I, like, I like melody, too. I know, we like hard, yeah, they got some hard shit, though. They um, do have... Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what I liked about the Gallows. Like, he was fucking screaming his brains out. But then when he sang or whatever, there was melody behind it, too, with the music was just... In Same your, with the Bronx. Yes. In your... Matt can fucking sing. He's a great front man, too. He's another one, like like Frank. That is completely natural. Yeah. You know, kind of like Bruno Mars. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that motherfucker has it in his bones. Yeah, you like Bruno like, Mars? Yeah. Fuck, yeah. All right, so, is, okay, well, last question. Okay, is there something you listen to that people would be shocked that you listen to? 
type of music. Okay, Bruno Mars definitely left field for you. Yeah, I, I Bruno Mars because that motherfucker. He's so talented. He's though. so talented, and he's natural. Yeah, he is organic, and he came from like you know he wasn't one of those Disney kids. Okay, yeah, Christina, yeah. Ag- Christina yeah. Aguilera, great fucking singer, phenomenal singer. Mariah Carey, phenomenal singer. Um, Justin Timberlake, phenomenal singer. As far as I'm concerned, they're just placeholders because mm. people write songs for them or write a group of songs and go, oh, this one would be good for you and this one would be good for yeah. you. So they're actors filling a role. Got you. They're, Katy Perry too. Right. They're singers yeah. filling... Love you, Katie. Go ahead. They're singers filling a songwriter's vision. They're, you know, uh, the main actor in a Martin Scorsese movie. You know, they carry the message that the writer wants. Uh, sure. Yes. Mar- uh, uh, Bruno Mars... Motherfucker writes the music, sings the music, does the dancing. Talented. Talented. And you started yeah. off as like just a kid, you know, doing little, you know, talent yeah. shows or whatever yeah. the fuck it He's is. He's got a Prince Michael Jackson vibe to me. He's right. got a lot, a lot. There's so much to him. And like 50s and like yeah. all that shit. Yeah. Right. And, he, and and what he draws, like this 50s stuff in the 60s and the 70s. Motown vibe. It is authentic feeling. It's not overdone. It's low quality. Some of the shit's real low quality sounding like the early R&B stuff. Like motherfucker has it. Yeah. Damn. Have you seen him perform before? No, I tried to. The tickets were too goddamn expensive. <laughs> so he has all the money too. Damn. Like they were, they were the. the he was playing. Did the, the forum or Staples? Staples, probably yeah. about four years ago, three years mm-hmm. ago. The cheapest ticket was four hundred bucks. Yeah, I think he did like three nights. There I remember hearing about like that. that. Yeah, it was, and the thing it was is, something it, ridiculous. Like yeah. you know, if it was one hundred and twenty bucks, sure, yeah. cool, I'll sit in those weeds, whatever. Four hundred bucks for the cheapest, and I, I think it went up to two or three grand. Yeah, fuck. Any hip hop for you? I grew up in the hip hop. No, I never really, never, wow. never really resonated with me. Okay, um, interesting. I mean, I get it. No Public I, Enemy, I, Run DMC. What I did like, if I am gonna go hip hop, is stuff like Far Side, like like stuff that's that's yeah. more kind of like has a jazz feel behind it, nice. kind of more positive vibe. Wow. Okay. You know, um, little, I love that. A little more, um, like I did, uh, like some of that Far Side, and then uh, yeah. Tribe Called Quest got yeah, jazz. Yeah, that that too. Not that I know much about it, but when yeah. that's the shit that I hear, I'm like, okay, cool. Okay. Because it has a groove. It has a... Yeah. yeah. Not saying the other shit did, but it just didn't fucking resonate. Yeah, nobody really mentions the far side. Far side was fucking amazing, man. Yeah. Those records are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, fuck. That's it. All right, Smelly. Damn, yeah. this has been wonderful, that bro. That was amazing. Now I know where the Smelly yeah. came from. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, you got that in the we first... We kicked it off of VD. Yeah, he, he started here. <laughs> he he came me. out swinging. And tetracycline. The shit fucking works. You came, <laughs> you, you came, he came in hot with everything yeah. straight forward. Um, well, thank you for your time. Thanks. Now, I know you for many, many years. Yeah, man. I love having this pod because when I finally sit down with people that I've known for over 20 years, I get to really know them. This is awesome, and I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy person. Uh, Chapeau Lacey, thanks for being yeah. here, too. Yeah, man. Do you have any nerdy, any new effects, nerdy questions, anything, man? Uh, you're such a deep diver, I'm a, bro. I'm always, uh, I'm always intrigued. My favorite question, <laughs> what's your what's your favorite- Okay, I, I got you. Favorite no effects song to play live? The, okay. de- the Decline, hands down. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah, 18 and a half minutes. That song to me is... Oh, 18 minutes, yeah. Have you heard The Decline? I'm, I probably have, yeah. It's an 18-minute song. It, it is a perfect song. Okay. Meaning, I mean, I, I am one to say most of our shit sucks. Most of, <laughs> most of it I don't like. I don't even know if I'd like my band if I wasn't in my band. Damn. <laughs> um, sorry, Mike. Uh, <laughs> and that came on 99, The Decline. Okay. Yeah, okay. and and it it just takes you on an emotional roller coaster. It's, it's happy, it's sad. The lyrics are so fucking... So on money, what's going yeah. on in the world, and the musical ups and downs, peaks and valleys, time changes, all that shit. To me, wow. it is, it is, it's a, it's a novel. Start has a beginning, middle, and end. And yeah. when it, you know, ends, you know what he's talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. just so like, crazy. Oh my god, that you know. So, 
Run yeah, watch watch it on YouTube. And okay, I will. We played uh, with the, about um, two years ago with the, with the orchestra. With the orchestra. Okay. We, we did it with a thirty or forty piece orchestra. Okay. Yeah. Two or three years ago at the, at Red Rocks in in wherever the fuck. Yeah, that that's is. beautiful. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, they did it. It's insane. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And I am not one to talk our shit up. I want to talk our shit down. That's okay. pretty fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever want to quit NoFX? Uh, no. It's awesome. No, there's there was there well other than that one that one stupid time when I said yeah. when, oh, yeah, when, yeah, I, yeah. when I did quit you're like fuck that I'm not going to <laughs> well like um, after that yeah yeah there was times when I got so fed up with, with Mike shit uh, that I was like why the fuck am I doing this yeah uh, but that was the anger speaking yeah step back calm down don't react oh because yeah. I, because I love it yeah Mike Mike doesn't get enough props for being like a great fucking songwriter man. oh he fucking is it and, is, and he's just a, smart with the names of the records the titles of the songs like everything man and he's a great front man he's charismatic he's yeah. funny as fuck yeah Can yeah we, I was playing you one yesterday that you never heard and you were like right. wow yeah, yeah it yeah. was uh, Bottles to the Ground oh okay yeah yeah it's a real good one yeah yeah melodic yeah mm-hmm. some time changes yeah some time changes and then one of, yeah. one of our friends got hurt and I was saying like that I saw Fat Mike come on stage at a massive festival on a couch when he broke his leg or something, and it was like seemed like a hundred thousand people. Remember that show? Yeah, we've done a bunch of those. But he's on the couch and he's singing, he's laying down playing the set. It was fucking yeah. There's, the there's going bananas. We've bro. done a, so like, there was one time Mike blew out his knee, and we played shows where he would just like lay on a couch. And there's other times when he blew out his back, and he would just lay on the couch. He's like, no man, I, I could lay down and play, dude. You know, and so we would fucking do it. And then the crowd goes bananas, like even if he's standing <laughs> up. Because you know, I saw that in Europe. The thing is, is, is oh, God. not every show's the same. Some shows are good, some shows are bad, but they're all going to be fucking different. You know, they're yeah, all going to be that. they're all going to be entertaining, and we don't even know what they're going to be like. You know, some yeah. bands you've seen them once, you've seen them twice, you might have seen them forty times. Yeah, you know. One of my favorite sets of you guys is uh, Bazaar Fest. I want to say that was shit ninety. That might have been the first festival we ever played. Were we wearing the funny color shirts? Yep. Yeah, it was the yep. very first festival we that's, ever played. That's the one, wow. that's the one I talked about, the opening spot. Yeah. We played that one with Porno for Pyros. Yep. Wow. Hole. Um, Damn. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I've been friends with Courtney for a long time. Wait, Patty talked about hanging out with No Effects at a show they played together back in the day. Wait, is this Patty week? from Hole? Yeah, I showed my pod last week. Oh, was she the bass player chick? She's drummer. Oh, the drummer chick. Yeah, she yeah, yeah. hanging out with you guys. Yeah. And they wrote a song called No Sex with No Effects. They they hang- did? No, she they wrote a song. They haven't. Oh my god, it was I'm talking never about the released. Never released. They wrote a song. They, 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 they didn't <laughs> yeah. record it, but they hung out and they loved you guys. They were just like broing down. They yeah. Said, so they wrote a song called "No Sex or No Fun." <laughs> I didn't know that. Holy fuck! I didn't know that. Look at that. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, she's I, awesome. I mean, I knew Courtney before she was ever. She's been through it too, like you, Patty. Great, yeah, amazing I, story. Dude, I watched that documentary. Yeah, we talked about I it. I watched yeah. it, and that documentary was like, I, you know, I didn't know her for Wait, shit. Is it a newer show. one? No, like 10 years ago, but it's Yeah, but, but but how she's doing construction and shit like yeah. that. And how she. How she's she, been through the same shit yeah. as him, man. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and I was like. You're going to connect. My wife and I were like, oh, fuck. And I was like, wow. It's so hard. That it's is really, I gotta watch really it. cool. Yeah, she had an incredible story, yeah. too, man. She was and homeless at one point. Yeah. It's drugs will take you. She went from the top to the bottom. Yes. And now even after that big record, she was homeless and shit. It's fucking after crazy. that big record. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. I got to watch it. What's so it on? Similar to you. Yeah. I found it somewhere. Hit oh, so okay. hard. It's on the internet. Yeah, I think somewhere. Amazon or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really good. Yeah. yeah. I, I tell her I watched it and I was fucking. I, I will. And she, she wrote a song. No sex with no effects. But doesn't she like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why. <laughs> Maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah, but it was like her and a friend hanging out. I, I forgot the person was, but they had a good time hanging out with some. She didn't say no names. Some of the guys no effects. I don't know where the show was. It could have been warped. It could have been that show you just mentioned. But yeah, she loved. She loves no effects. 
Rad, dude. Yeah. That's good. Does she live here in LA or still up uh-huh. there? Up in LA, yeah. Oh, rad, dude. That's gonna I gotta, bug me. I gotta connect you. Please man. do. Please do. Yeah, she hit me up today. Yeah, she's fucking awesome. Great story, though. Give man. her a big uh, text message hug for me. I will, man. That's a small world. So that was whole important for Pyros. That's a show. Yeah, right? I know. I'm trying yeah, to find it. Yeah, and that bugging was, me. I'm trying to find yeah. it. Yeah, I think that was probably 94. I can't remember what dude, year. Dude, Europe's been so much love for No Effects, man. It's, it's a great place. I man. mean, everywhere you guys go, you kill it, but. The main times I saw you on the festivals in Europe, it's fucking unreal, 96. bro. 96? Yeah. No. Damn. No, that's not it. That's not, not the one That's not. We've played Bizarre Festival many times. Oh, it's, it's, oh it's, no, it's no, no, no. Just earlier one. one. Earlier one. From 95. It's not just one time. Yeah, it was It was 93-ish. Damn. They don't have it on here. Yeah. Yeah, it was 93-ish. They only so, have 96 to 95. So the only gram people can find you on is... Pick, is uh, Pickle Sticks. Pickle Sticks. Underscore. That, okay. that line underneath. And that's you. That's your... That's everything. me. That's, okay. it. that's it. You can hit me up with band stuff. You can hit me up with surfboard shit. You can hit me up with booby pictures. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> then new NoFX record probably next year. Yeah, whatever. You know, okay, at yeah. some point. Yeah. But now you should, you do, you've always done it for fun. Now it's not a full-time really thing. It kind of is. Well, with the pandemic, that's been the past two years. But yeah, you play, you still play, have fun. It's yeah, awesome. it's, yeah. It, you know, um, be a good person, do what you want to do, and you'll be all right. Whether yeah. you have four hundred million dollars in the bank or four million dollars in the bank. Yeah, and 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 the longevity of no effects and you guys, your brotherhood, it's it's incredible, man. Yeah, I mean, you guys, you guys feel the same thing. Yeah, the same you know? original members. Like yeah. like you love them like brothers. You might not always be like stoked on them, but you yeah. love them like brothers. And then you know, and you sit around and you start, oh, there's that. This is why you fucking laugh. You say stay stupid shit. You're probably like us. You're yeah. Pro- I have my brother in the band too. Yeah. Well, listen to this. You're probably, probably the same thing. When we're sitting in a bus or backstage or in an airport or whatever, and you smell a random fart, you know whose it is. Because <laughs> everybody has a little, it's like a fingerprint. It's no. a fart print. Yeah. You go, true. you go, God damn Todd, what the fuck? Right? Yeah, you've seen everybody's dick. You've seen everybody naked. You've seen everybody in the, in the highest or lowest moments. And you're a fucking, <laughs> and you're a brotherhood. Dude, I've seen a, it all. I you've a, probably seen way more than yeah, I've seen. I had a huge pimple on my ass a couple years ago on tour. Like it was one of those. Like, I didn't know if it was an abscess, a boil. I don't know. I was like Melvin. I was like Melvin, come here, man. You gotta look at this. And I dropped my. You gotta tell me what it is. And I dropped my pants. I was bending over in front of him so he could see it. Yeah, you've seen every part of your body. Yeah. Bro. You've yeah. seen everything. I've seen Adam Blake face town in the mud at a no, at a no effects festival in Europe. I found him. He had, he was uh, alcohol poison. Remember, oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah, in yeah. a wheelchair at the, at the yeah. airport the next day. He's sober now, but yeah. grain alcohol or some shit. Fucking dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> fucking dumbass. Fuck. Thank you so much for being here, My man. pleasure. Thank this you for is, having me. This yes. was so fucking fun. Yeah, Thanks this was power. great. Amazing. This, Amazing. This, this exceeded my already high expectations. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, thanks for sharing your journey with us too, yeah, man. That was amazing. I definitely right. got goosebumps and emo a couple of times yeah. for sure. <laughs> shout out yeah, to your pops too, man. Yeah, man. My yeah, dad's a good guy. He is yeah. a fucking good guy. Yeah. yeah. I want to meet right. your kids too. I think our kids should hang, yeah. surf, whatever. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, right, everybody. Man. Peace. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one.